This is an emergency broadcast from Radio Free Istvan. All Imperial forces, stay away from Istvan 5. The fort flooding in of a massacre on the Black Sands. Horus has revealed his hand and gathered yet more traitorous Primarchs to his side. Ferris Manus is dead. Vulcan and Korax are missing. Stay safe, brothers, and stay away from the Istvan system. The Emperor protects. What's going on, Radio Freest Van listeners, and welcome to episode 72 of the Radio Freest Van podcast. A I've whoa. You almost said whoa. Whoa. You almost said. Yeah, so I almost I almost tripped up and said an I of Horus podcast. We were talking about Tim and Oh my just... god, they're using Psyops on us. They're using Psyops. Welcome hold on. <laughs> <laughs> we're trying we're trying to overcome them anyway welcome to a horse heresy 30k podcast uh man that really fucking threw me off this is the dark angels episode that's why it really threw me off we're like really everything's secret and we're just trying to <laughs> we're gonna be sneaky and backstabby and just <laughs> slowly still the podcast space for them slowly you they, sir they finally figured it out i'm re- i'm really tim and you're really the other michael and Scott is Spencer, and Derek is... Who's Derek? Who would Derek wait, be? Wait for it. You're their friend Ajax that they always talk about that doesn't talk very much. Yeah, that's there, you. There it is. And we're just all impersonating <laughs> to be American so we can get more listeners to our podcast to feed our egos. That's you know, you know we how that were, conversation we course, went down was like, <laughs> gotcha. was like, oh, crikey, mate, what do Americans talk about? Oh, fright. <laughs> Fucking pork and <laughs> chainsaws. I don't know. Fucking guns, mate. Guns, guns and things. Guns and industrial accidents. That's America. That's America. Shit. Wow, that was the worst Australian accent I've ever done. I feel like I, feel like I just need to delete all of this. We need to go back. All, all the all the Australian listeners out there, thank you for listening. It's been fun. Good to have you. Good to have you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 72 of Radio Freeze, man. Man, like, we just lost Tim as a listener, like, for sure. Like, he's not going to answer any messages. Like, well, anyway, this is episode 72, guys. we got a great episode for you. Uh, it is the Dark Angel episode. Uh, my name is Michael. I've got my co-host sitting next to me, Derek. i got Scott on the line. Go and say what's going on, Scott. What's going on, Scott? Actually, what's going? On? say what's going on, Derek. I don't know why I skipped right over you. I'm back, bitches. And our co-host, Ryan. Go and say what's going on, Ryan. What's happening, everybody? Okay. And like I said, guys, uh, this is the Dark Angel episode. Uh, let me go let y'all know what we got coming up for you. Obviously, we're going to go over to our intros. We're going to talk to everybody, do a little round circle, see how everybody's doing. Inside of that, we'll also include some hobby progress, let you know what we've been working on. Uh, then we're going to go over some fun stuff. We're going to go over some uh, some Dark Angel-specific, where to get fluff, uh, what armies make sense. We're going to go over the ride of wars they have, some of the war gear that they have going on, everything like that. Uh, then we have some voicemails from you guys. Uh, then we have an email we're going to go over from Brandon. Then we have an Imperial Fist, Pride of the Legion Army, a Sons of Horus 2,500-point army, and then uh, uh, that's going to be it. Then a reminder about the rapier stories. But anyway, now that we're out of that fiasco of a fucking intro that just happened, 
Uh, let's start with Scott. How's everything going, Scott? Been going good, man. Uh, went up this weekend to pay homage to our, our bearded friends to the north, uh, Ryan, and played in the Oath of Moment event. Um, you guys probably already seen the plethora of pictures we put up on the on the Facebook page, but that was a lot of fun, man. Got some good games in, got to meet a lot of people, you know, from from all over. It was really cool to see how far people actually traveled. Like yeah. our friend uh, Chris Bergeron, he traveled all the way from like Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is really fucking far away from Martinsville, Indiana. So <laughs> that was really cool to meet those guys and get to throw some. John dice. Stanford came from Texas. Yeah, John Stanford came from Texas, man. <laughs> Jesus, to play in somebody's basement—a <laughs> really right, nice basement. Man. Don't don't you know what? I made the basement sound a lot less cool than it fucking actually is. That basement's great, Ryan. You have a Bunker. fantastic basement. <laughs> the the Everybody Bunker. seemed to like it. I had I had no complaints. <laughs> so was it a good time? I guess I guess like speaking of both of y'all, like how'd it go? Like let's just let's just touch base on that. Like how'd it run? Well we were at we were at capacity, so we had I think twenty two people. Okay. Um, and I think four or five people were people that were brand new to me. Like, I had never met them before until that day. Um, oh, they just bad. found out about it. They just found out the about the event through listen, listening to us on the show or just seeing it on Facebook or whatever. And um, we had a guy from Ohio, a couple more different Michigan guys. Um, Scott brought his uh, friend up, which is the first time he, uh, I'd met him, uh, Wes. Super nice dude. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's... It's good, and they they seem to have a uh, Dan and Bob and these newer guys that we met uh, seem to have a really good time, which is good. So, and I added them to my little uh, email list for my game club, so maybe they can make it down again for either one of our events, or even if they just want to come down for you know a normal game night or whatever and hang out, stay the weekend, and do some Indiana shit with me. They're always welcome to do that. Oh yeah, Indiana shit, aka pork tenderloin and. Biscuits and gravy. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. So how'd the, uh, I, I've been, like, I guess I haven't asked yet. Like, how'd the whole uh, um, sideboard army go? How'd you think it went, Scott? Uh, I thought it went well, man. I mean, um, a lot of people brought down a pretty wide variety of stuff. You know, not, not like trying to meta it or anything, but just, you know, different models so they could kind of fit them in as the day goes on, whatever situation sort of fits. Um, I just brought down one list or uh, two lists, one for the team game, one for uh, my individual game. I played with our buddy Dave over at Perpetual Painting the first round. <laughs> um, second round, <clears throat> I played on a team with uh, uh, Christopher Bergeron who came down. He was the red and yellow admec on the facebook page beautiful looking army super nice dude he was a lot of fun to play with and uh aaron albert was was the other teammate he played word bears and i think we played against bob chris duncan and rick pearson and yeah. uh awesome game man i mean i think everything was pretty much fully painted we played it on the ace fan board kind of kind of pushed together um with another table so it was an eight by four uh, really no, fun. It's, uh, it's big. It's uh, hang on. What is that? It's six by 
Eight. Six by eight. There we go. Big as fuck. And uh, yeah. it was very fitting because that's a lot of points. We each played 2,000 points apiece. So 6,000 points aside, 12,000 point game. Um, a lot of fun, man. Really good time. And we got done pretty fast, too. We, it, we got done at like four hours or so, four and a half hours for 12,000 points. That's not, you know, unreasonably terrible. It was a lot of fun, man. Uh, can't recommend it enough. I mean, if you're someone who's anywhere around this, like, tri-state area of Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, Tennessee, Kentucky, Michigan, all that stuff, if you're ever thinking about coming up, just, you know, let one of us know. Uh, Indiana 30K is the Facebook page group, and we can, I'm sure, you know, we can find a way to accommodate you if you're coming really far away, so. Yeah, because we had guys come um, that I didn't even know, you know, that came from out of state that just came to the event. And they ended up just staying in the hotels up the road. And um, I was like, oh, you know, if you would have said something, you could have just stayed here. And they're like, yeah, I just, you know, never met you before. Didn't know. Love you sleep in your house. (laughs) 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 I'm like, yeah, that's probably a pretty good point. But I know you now. So next time, just call and you stay here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just crash on the couch or the, uh, the air mattress. Yeah. But I I don't so, remember his last name, but uh, Bob, the, the guy who was playing on the opposite team as me, he had a really badass pin in Night Lord's Army. That's his uh, Fellblade, or not Night Lord's, Alpha Legion. Um, that's his Fellblade on the Facebook group, and I was really impressed by that. I always like that paint scheme a lot. Oh, man, now i got to go look it up. Yeah. Did anybody bring uh, Custodes? Custodes? No Custodes. No custodes, because we're all fucking cool here. It's no reason. <laughs> you didn't have to take anybody out back and uh, teach them some hospitality? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, everybody brought... I mean, people... Some people brought some fairly, you know, what would be seen in other groups as rough stuff, I guess. But, I mean, with you being able to... The way we did the matchups was pretty much just like... Um, I kind of went and asked people, you know, what, just looking at the table, you know, what table, like, really caught your eye, you know, what do you want to play on? Um, so, like, for example, the that Istvan board, a lot of people wanted to play on it, so that's why we called an audible and just made it a three-on-three in the last round. Um, it was supposed to just be a two-on-two table, but we had more people wanting to play on it, and since it was only a two-round event, me and Nick were just like, well, hell, let's just make it a three-on-three. Do you think it'll matter? And he's like, nah, we got plenty of time. So that's what we did. So we just played, the event was just a two-round event of 3,000 points. Remember when I went to that Michigan event that Zach Padgett ran, I you know, I came back and ran it and raved about how much I liked the just two 3,000-point games in a yeah. day. Yeah. Like it felt like just enough. I think everybody felt the same way. Like I had several people come up to me after the event and say, this was perfect. This was the perfect amount. We got done exactly on time um we didn't have to rush anything i went and just got pizza for everybody and um just kind of came back with the pizza and laid it out it wasn't necessarily in between rounds or whatever people just kind of walked away from their games when they wanted to and came and got pizza uh and you know could really take their time we didn't really rush um anyone there was one game in the first round that they were kind of dragging butt and everybody had been done for a while and i kind of went hey guys like let's step it up a little but other than that there wasn't any problem 
I'm gonna put this apocalyptic blast somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> every every five minutes. <laughs> Get a move on. But I thought I like the you know basically change your list you know to, to to whatever you wanted in between rounds. I thought that worked well. And then like I said, we kind of just went you know who wants to play on this table? And somebody was like, oh, I want to play there. And I'm then I was like, okay, well he's loyalist, so any traders want to play against. Um, him, he brought, you know, Death Guard or whatever, and he's playing on this table. Anybody who didn't play on that last round want to play him? But, you know, somebody would volunteer, yeah, I'll do it. That sounds fun. And that's pretty much how we did matchups. It wasn't anything crazy. And I didn't hear any grumbling or any complaints about, oh, so-and-so brought this, or this was bad, or, you know, I didn't enjoy playing this, or whatever. I didn't hear any of that. Um, Brian Forster, Michigan, had some pretty piss-poor roles. Uh, turn one or uh, round one i think like his uh quad mortars he lost like took like two wounds on him or whatever and then the quad mortars broke and ran off the board (laughs) and then he failed like i don't know like six of 12 two up saves or something like that lost like half his grave wardens nice also on the same turn just like bad you know what i mean just fucking crazy dice type thing um but uh, he was laughing about it. Like, he, he's a cool guy. He didn't care. And then, um, so, I mean, that was just me kind of walking around checking all games. I mean, did you hear anything different than that, Scott? I mean, I, I felt like everybody seemed like they had a good time. I didn't hear anybody complain about anything. Nope, I didn't hear any grumbling or moaning or anything, man. I mean, I think I think for the most part, everybody showed up with stuff almost fully painted. And, I mean, if... I can tell you this, if you show up to one of those events with your army who's like, you've just cobbled together some shit and stuff, no one's going to be a dick to you about it, but you certainly probably feel a little bit of pressure to like oh, yeah. present it well, you know, because everyone else's stuff is so nice. Um, I had my Leviathan Drake get immobilized inside its fucking drop pod and just <laughs> sit inside there until someone came over and murdered it. So that was fucking... <laughs> uh, <laughs> That was that was the highlight of my my day. I was like, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> if I was Leviathan Dread, that would be a good testimony about how my life is going right now. So. <laughs> Immobilized before you left the gate. <laughs> it's just like I don't know. so. But, uh, so cool cool matchups that I saw. Um, David Sanson and Perpetual Painting Day played each other. So it was the two days facing off in the. Uh, um, commission painters challenge that was pretty cool. Um, they had like they had like airbrushes while they were doing it too. <laughs> like yeah, they, they like spraying that. their models on the fly. Like <laughs> the army was being painted as each round went. They were getting go over the table and it, come up a little more weathered. Fun betting stuff. Like whoever wins has to like paint someone else's commission for them. Something <laughs> like that. <laughs> I thought like um, I thought you but I anyway, thought you would throw was, like you know two two like whirlwind like whirlwinds on the table and whoever got their painted first got to field it immediately like <laughs> <laughs> that's some high stakes warhammer right there <laughs> oh but that is a pretty sweet matchup what else do you got what other matchups oh, li- uh, so rick brought alpha legion and was traitor and dave uh stolarski also had alpha legion but i i was short of loyalist so i had to move someone over but they both had Alpharius. So we just decided that one of them was playing Omegon. So we had 
Alpha Legion versus Alpha Legion, both using the Primarch Alpharius out of the you know out of the rule book. Like rules wise, they're playing Alpharius, but we just said one was Omegon. Did they ever so get in combat? Cool. Did they ever like um, run into each other? I don't know. We'll have to ask them. But that was like pretty cool, like a straight up full blown Alpha Legion Civil War with dual with Alpharius versus Alpharius. I thought that was pretty neat. That is that is fucking. So, I was trying neat. to convince them to put both their Alpharius's in reserve, so when one Alpharius came in from reserve, the other one could replace him and really fuck with everybody's head <laughs> with their little rule. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm trying to see like the pale spear versus the fucking Pythian scales. Like how, like is Alpharius good at killing himself? <laughs> like he's seems pretty he seems pretty decent. So I thought that was cool. Um, I like the game. The, I walked back and saw the game versus Dave and Scott round one, and just like the massive fucking tanks. And then later on in the game, where there was just like just one corner, just looked like a giant fucking Parking just lot. tank junkyard. There was like thirty dead tanks in one corner with tanks on top of tanks with fucking corpses and flame markers. It was pretty fucking intense. That Jeez. was pretty funny. So, so real quick, Scott. So that game that you played on the six by eight. Three on three was that nine thousand points aside? Uh, six thousand points aside. Okay, so it's two thousand for team games. Yeah, two thousand. Yeah. Yep. yep. Okay. Okay. Manageable. Manageable. Okay. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ, Manageable. fucking nine thousand point game. <laughs> All right. It's fucking badass. It sounds like everybody had a so, good time. Yeah. The pictures um, are great, by the way. Yeah, I tried to take a lot of pictures, and I saw Scott took a lot of pictures. It's pretty funny. Like, some of them look like the same picture, but they're not. Like, it's just that he saw the same thing I saw and took a picture, like, kind of from the same angle. And it's like, I can promise you that me and Scott did not exchange any pictures. So it's pretty weird that some of them are so close. Strange. It's kind of funny. It's like we finish each other's sentences. <laughs> but. <laughs> Uh, and then um that three on three game was cool because i threw I, i'm sure scott knows did picked up on it but i threw all the uh, military vets together so we had like 60 plus years of military service all on one table at once <laughs> so the, the tactics were incredible on that table like they were <laughs> like sure the dream was incredible a lot of bad backs <laughs> all for one table So I thought that was pretty cool. That's bad. Yeah, hell dude. yeah, absolutely. Very so cool. that was the oath of moment. Are y'all having a like a follow up or like episode three oath of moment anytime soon? Like you're you hosting any events anytime soon? You just want to shout out right now? Um, there will probably be one either probably slightly after Adepticon. I need to talk to my event committee, which is me and Nick. That's the event committee. Um, <laughs> the hold the, the board. I gotta be talk to the board. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go stand in the mirror and talk to myself. Um, you know what's funny but, uh, is there's two of you, but Nick still only makes up thirty percent of that committee. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't gonna say it, but I'll agree if you want to say it. Um, yeah. so, so anyway, um, but. Yeah, we're definitely planning on doing it because we gave away dog tags at this event. This is the first time we did dog tags. Um, do you want to shout Michigan out? Guys, do it. 
Do you want to shout out who made oh. those dog tags? I've never seen colored dog tags like that. Those are really I, nice. I don't know. We'll have to ask Nick. I can get the info and shout him out, but I, okay. I don't know. That was his job. He did do that, and then he wrote the missions, so he completed his task. Um, <laughs> I got the posters printed from Kurt, yeah. and then once we got the poster image, uh, Nick just used the image off the poster to have dog tags printed, which I thought they turned out pretty cool. Um, so we've always, like the Michigan guys always give out dog tags for their events, and we always honor the Michigan dog tags at our events. We always tell the Michigan guys or anybody, any of our guys to go to Michigan events. If you have any dog tags from those events, we'll honor them at ours, even though we don't give any away. So, um, we, this is our first event that we gave away our own, uh, dog tag. So I think what we're going to do with our dog tags is you get an extra warlord trait for this dog tag. So if you have this dog tag, when you play, you'll get to roll an extra warlord trait. Nice. That's fucking insane. That could get real. Like with the little score action, that could get real. <laughs> um, well, you still gotta roll it. Like his is you select, like it's not gonna stack with a special rule. You just get a roll an extra like it specifically says roll an extra world trick. Gotcha. Okay. Just I don't to... think any of them are that out of control where you know, and it's only if you actually roll it. If you bring a Primark, you know, you don't roll for your Warlord trade anyway, or if you bring a character, you don't get it. So it's only gonna work if you have generic characters. Um, or I guess, yeah, I don't even think Score would get it because instead of getting a Warlord trait, he gets to select the other one. So, yeah, I don't think it would work with him anyway, the way we have it worded. Damn. Oh, well. At least we nipped that in the bud now. Everybody who went to Ryan's event. (laughs) (laughs) Don't even think about it, Alpha Legion players. So. But, yeah. I don't know. I had a really good time running it. The last two events I've ran have been the best two I've ever done. So I think it's finally getting to the point where I'm. It's like it's almost automatic. Like I've just I've done it enough to where I know pretty much what works and what doesn't, and what people seem to really enjoy. At least the guys that you know, the type of people that come to our event. So I mean, I'm just going to keep you know doing what I'm doing. Yeah, it also seems like you have kind of the like the same core group of guys that are coming to these events. Like, you definitely have new players, but you have, like, a core that comes to these events that have been to a lot of your events, and so they know what to expect, and so they can, like, help you kind of, you know, uh, herd all the other players. Like, hey, we're going to be doing this now. Just listen to Ryan, you know? Yeah. Well, it sets the tone, I guess. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, that's that's one thing that, like, I really liked about, like, Adepticon was, like, you know, somebody would grab your hand, like, hey, it's okay. They're going to do this now. (laughs) Don't worry. But, so, but super badass. Ryan, do you want to go over some like intro stuff, some hobby progress? I'm pretty sure that like we just talked about a lot of it, but what else you got going on? Um, I built a Cordis Contemptor for my Black Shields. I don't know if we talked about that last week or not, but I built him and primed him, carved a bunch of battle damage and stuff into him and got him airbrushed up. So I'm going to start painting him tomorrow. Um, hmm. I got another package of Blue Forge uh, terrain in. I think I'm still waiting on one more package, but I was able to set up some more of my tables. I'm taken to the Michigan GT, um, so that was pretty cool. And then I've just been painting some more terrain. I'm painting some more of this miniature building authority stuff right now as we're recording. Um, so I just finished two more little like uh, 
shanty, shanty shacks. Uh, so I painted two of those, and then what else? Oh, I finished that NKA Rhino that I'm taking back for it and magnetized the dozer blade and all that so that I can paint some weathering on the dozer blade or they can teach me how to do that. Or something. That oh, Land Raider. You assembled that Land Raider. Yeah, I assembled the uh, the Land Raider from uh, Blood and Skulls. I took a Mark IIb kit and then added the Blood and Skulls uh, Sagittarius uh, conversion kit to it, and it turned out fucking awesome. So that's going to be for my Death Guard. I got it all uh, primed up. I gotta have to bring it up. I used GW primer on it. It's the first time I've used GW primer, and it ruined it. It made it look like a porcupine, like it was just like just shit caked up. Like it, it did this weird frosting thing where it looked like I took uh, fake snow and like sprinkled it all over the tank. It looked like total shit. Um, luckily, that primer has never met somebody that handles tedium like I do. So I got a flat scraper blade from a hobby and literally set and spent. Between four and five hours of this flat blade just slowly going over the panel and scraping all the paint off and then redoing it. So I was able to do it. I no probably shit. should have just stripped it, but yeah. Why didn't you? I probably could have just stripped it while I was. Uh, I didn't have anything else. I couldn't make it to the store at the time. Um, and I just had, I had five hours to kill, or I, I mean, I just, I, I had nothing but time. I was just sitting staring at the wall, so I was like, well, I'll try this. And I did it on a little panel, I'm like, this worked, it'll take forever. Oh, well, I don't have anything else but time, so I just sat and did it and listened to podcasts and got it done. So. Good Lord, you hand-stripped the, the white primer off of the Land Raider. I don't think I've yeah. ever heard of anybody doing that. Anybody more dedicated than Ryan in that particular instance? <laughs> Fueled by spite so, in Games Workshop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I that piece of shit uh, primer away that cost $18 and went to the store and for $3.68 bought this. Um, it's the stuff I always use, and me and Jake uh, Busty swear by it. It's the Rustoleum American Accents Two Times Ultra Cover Primer. And it's the best primer I've ever used. I got it. I didn't have any of it in white. Um, I just had gray and black. And the MKA techniques as primer shit in white on Death Guard. So I just happened to have some of that Games Workshop shit laying around. And I thought, eh, I'll just use this. I'm not going to sell it anytime soon. I'll just use it. So I tried using it and it fucked up. So I just threw all the primer that I have at home away. <laughs> the DMV ship and then went and bought some of this Rustoleum stuff and then after I scraped it all clean I sprayed it with this stuff in the exact same conditions in the exact same location and it went, went on fine so yeah I you know like one thing that I really did like about this whole situation is uh, so in the Patreon chat Ryan is showing us his uh, his white porcupine of a land raider asking us like how we strip our models and stuff like that. And Ryan did get a lot of help on like how he like, you know, like different people, how they different stripping methods they use to remove paint and jazz like that. But, uh, I think on top of that, like, uh, I think it was John Stanford who said like, if you're, I, I don't know, it might've been actually been Troy who said that if you run the can under some hot water, that's what they usually do. If it's doing that to them. 
So I know you threw yours away and all that stuff, and like I know you'll probably never use it again. But to people out nope. there who are like, "Fuck, I don't want to spray this on me," try that technique before you know if if you don't want to throw away this eighteen dollar can of uh, of nah, primer. Not just throw it away and go buy the three dollars and sixty eight cents. Just throw it away. <laughs> don't listen to Michael. To each his own. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I love, dude. I I use GW Black, like uh, Games Workshop Black Primer. Swear by it. I was using Vallejo. Uh, Vallejo primer for a while, the Vallejo Air primer what? or just the black primer. That shit like was like out of an airbrush. Yeah, out of an airbrush. Yeah, yeah, that that shit was working fine. But then I was like, you know what? This takes way too long versus where this like can of primer will just you know blast it. But I feel like I've used white primer before out of Games Workshop, and I feel like I, the same thing happened to me. But no, I've had it. I've had their clear coat. I. I used to use their clear coat, and then it fucked up twice on me and ruined a bunch of creek shit I painted, and I had to repaint it all. After two times of that, that's when I discovered dull coat. And I never went back from dull coat. Yes, that is, dude. If there was ever any fucking piece of hobby advice you ever listened to out of our mouths, it is this: do not use fucking purity seal <laughs> on your shit, okay? Unless you just are like. You know those like Chinese Buddhists who do those sand drawings, like those really intricate sand drawings, and then at the end they just brush it all away? <laughs> That's what the fuck you're going to do with your models if you spray that pure can of shit all over them. All right? Yeah. Like the only, the only dull coat you should ever use is that Model Master Lusterless Flat. I mean, if you're doing a snow themed army. And your guys aren't moving around a lot, and they're just gonna just pile up with snow on their shoulders and helmets and shit. Yeah, just spray that purity seal yes. all over. Yes. If you want a horrible and unrealistic snow effect, go for it. <laughs> but that is. I'm gonna write that down real quick. Yeah, man. Horrible and, and unrealistic. Model master lusterless flat. The reason why that that shit is so much better is it's alcohol based. So it, when it evaporates faster, it doesn't have time to frost over. Fuck yeah, dude. I, I mean, we, we've we talked about the Dole Coat before on this podcast, and immediately, Ugh. like every time Dole Coat comes up, we always get those messages. Hey, what was that thing you were talking about on the podcast? It's like, look, it's at Hobby Lobby. It's at Hobby Town USA. Uh, you can order it from Amazon. It's a can that's about like, I don't know, four inches tall, little fucking Dole Coat. This is what it looks like, and yeah. It is, dude. The type of panic you must feel when your models start to frost over after spraying pure like shitty dull coat over it is what it must have felt like to be the captain on the Titanic. <laughs> the water like <laughs> smashed through the windows, and you're just about to get. Well, especially at the time, I, I was living at home with my fucking parents. I had no money. I spent like a fucking month and a half salary to get like two squads of Creek dudes. And then paint them up, and then spray that shit on them, and it ruins them. How many? How many did you spray, Ryan? Uh, a whole platoon, so a command squad and twenty guys, two oh ten man squads God. and a five man command. Approximately seven hundred and eighty-five U.S. dollars. <laughs> <laughs> that makes my heart hurt, dude. For real though, like I'll be honest. For all you people that are like, oh yes, I've had this problem with purity seal. Let me go buy a dull coat. Dole Coat's going to look like it's fucking up on you for a second. But don't worry. She's going to clear up. She's going <laughs> to she's gonna turn that fucking car yeah. around. It's like, she just Model wants master, to... <laughs> lusterless flat. You'll be fine. So Dole yeah, Coat's going to give you that like small moment of heart attack like you fucked up, but you didn't. It'll, it'll all be all right. 
Uh, well, I'm, I'm sorry to hear about your woes, Ryan, with the with the white primer. Oh well, I, I it's fine now. So I did that. I started working on one of my converted gorgons. I got pretty far with it. Um, I put it aside for now, just because I I'm gonna I need to finish this few things for the Michigan GT paint. Got these last little buildings to paint, then I'm done for the stuff I need for the Dark Age event for that. And then um, I just need to paint that Contemptor and five uh, normal black... Sh- I painted some Black Shield Pariah Flamer guys to fill out some squads, and I got to paint some up some uh, bolter guys that I converted that have, like, extended barrel bolters with some scopes on them where I can use them as seekers. So I seekers. painted up five seekers. Seekers? Yeah. Wow. Why Seekers? I don't know. I hate myself, apparently. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot that was a fucking unit. Like, what the fuck's a Seeker? (laughs) Is he playing on hard mode? I I felt like spending 180 points on five guys with bolters. (laughs) On cheap, cheap, uh, like, craft, or, uh, no, not craft, Hill Country Fair brand. More Dathan. <laughs> yeah. It's 180 $1 points $1. for five guys with artificer armor power fist on the sergeant. Ugh. Ugh. You know, veterans get... No, I'm just <laughs> Like, giving, <laughs> giving Ryan advice. Let me tell you about veterans, my friend. <laughs> gotcha. Sounds good. So what about you, Derek? I know you had some... Uh, you you went to an event in your absence. Yeah, so uh last weekend I ended up going to the uh they had a Wargaming for Good event in San Antonio and the uh the Golars 222nd ended up organizing the uh the heresy portion of it. And I think they only had like 2 weeks of lead up like between announcing the event and actually holding the event. Like it was kind of a I think like a spur of the moment kind of thing, but like the the entry fee all the like raffles and stuff they did everything that had went to uh i believe uh food bank for the afflicted areas from hurricane harvey and i think they ended up raising over about over four thousand dollars and then like a truckload of uh non-perishables to donate so it was a fucking awesome event like i said they only had like two weeks of lead up so there wasn't a whole lot of people there especially for the heresy side there's a pretty decent turnout for uh 40k and age of sigmar and then they had a few other games going on. I think they had some Blood Bowl, which I was kind of upset. I wish I would have known about that. I would have brought some Blood Bowl. But, uh, yeah, they ended up having a, uh, like, almost like 10 really beautiful setup tables. And I think there's, like, four Heresy players. So they're like, y'all just want to do, like, a couple two-on-twos? And it's like, yeah, it's pretty cool. We'll have fun. So I think it was a... Uh, Oh, man. It was uh, Andrew and Michael from San Antonio, and then uh, I went up there with Chris Pretty. I didn't have my stuff ready. I didn't play. I was just there to kind of hang out. And uh, and then I think uh, it was uh, Neil. There's another guy showed up. Neil. He's a pretty cool dude. He was playing. Uh, I think he's playing Raven Guard. But yeah, just had a great time. Uh, they had some raffles going up. They raffled off like the Eldar army, a Tau army, some Age of Sigmar armies. Uh, they actually had like a uh, an Ultramarines army they're raffling off too. 
And originally it was going to be like a, you know, it's, we'll raffle off like a Kalth box, maybe a couple vehicles too. But so many people were like, oh, dude, fuck yeah, raffling off for charity? Hey, I've got some stuff I can throw in too. It's like, oh man, you're going to raffle off this? I don't need, I picked up this, uh, this Ultramarine shit that I was just going to play and I just am not going to use it. So originally they were going to raffle off, you know, a couple squads of uh, tax squads, some, uh, some cataphracts. Well, the total list of what they ended up raffling off of this damn Ultramarine's army, it was uh, Gilliman, the Praetor, a Primus Medicae, 60 Tac Marines, 5 Heavy Bolter Marines, 5 Plasmarines, a Damocles, 2 Rhinos, a Laser Vindicator, a Demios Vindicator, a Land Raider, 5 Invictus Suzerains, 10 Cataphracti Terminators, a Knight Castigator, uh, three man apothecarians and that ultramarines the legion herald the gw exclusive and so they had yeah. all of this stuff like donated in and yeah. so they kind of raffled off an iou one ultramarines army because it was all still being painted no shit one uh it was uh <laughs> paul sweetland <laughs> Paul Sweetland, oh, <laughs> so, piece of shit. <laughs> so, so it'd be like Paul Philwitt and a couple other guys were painting it, and so Paul Sweetland shows up and drops like three hundred dollars on raffle tickets for this army, and they had it set, you know, separated off where, you know, you bought raffle tickets, you can put them towards any of the individual armies, or you can put them towards random stuff, because they had some like random door prizes, like, uh, you know, a, a, this model, a squad of this, you know, some of the storm cloud boxes with two flyers. Uh, but straight up, Paul Sweetland spent $300 on raffle tickets and put them all in for that army. Paul Phil was like, if I've got to paint this motherfucker's army, I'm be- <laughs> and sure enough, it was fucking hilarious. Dicks on everything. <laughs> He's like, yeah, paint my army, bitch. <laughs> but yeah, it was yeah. fucking badass time. I love it, man. Love the Goalers 222nd, man. Those guys are fucking great. Those Fuck guys yeah. always... Always, Always a good time. Come in clutch and throw throw raffles, man. Throw charity charity events like that. Yeah, just spread them out. Fuck yeah, we'll do charity event. I'll have it ready next weekend. So did you learn anything while you were there, Derek? Uh, no. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I mean, don't don't feel bad. I got plenty of public shame for not having my shit ready. So, uh, actually. I think they're doing another event up there in San Antonio at the end of October. Yes. I should have something playable ready by then. So I should be able to fully debut my Space Wolves and get my ass kicked proper. So looking forward to that. Well, that's good. That's a that's a bit. So. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> Anything else? How's your army looking? So, yeah, after that, I was kind of... Uh, motivated? Yeah, I was kind of motivated. Try to avoid some more public shame. So, I needed about 10 more Mark IV Marines for my veterans. So, I did what any, you know, sane, reasonable man would do, and I went out and bought a Kalth box. Yep. So, now I've just got extra shit lying around. So, I've just been, you know, working like a madman, getting that shit put together, and trying to put my airbrush skills to the test and get all those prepped as fast as I can. Hey, you talked to Ben about getting that gray. I don't know if y'all have seen, if y'all go look up Ben Porter on the, uh, on the old Instagram or the old Facebook, you'll see that he's painting up some fucking sick non space wolf gray 
fucking legionaries for his Primaris Marines, man. Some nice gray and red non-Space Wolf Primaris Marines. Yeah, some non-Space Wolf. Like, the, like that. that's the color you're going for, right? Like, I've seen your shit, but... I mean, that's kind of the scheme I'm going for. I'm going for, like, a darker gray, but... I mean, definitely a lot I could learn from that. Yeah. Yeah, Ben Porter's fucking cool as shit, so he'll hook you up. Yeah, it's cool, dude. So... Well, that's nice, man. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm rooming with him for a night this weekend. Oh, you mean magical? You're gonna be seduced by his mag- voice. I'm going to uh, MKA this weekend. Yeah. We uh, uh, for all of those all those wondering out there, I know all the uh, all the Patreon peeps got it, but uh, there's a Zayna short story that we have for the. Uh, that we did for South Texas in Flames, and Ben Porter was commissioned to read that short story off, and his pipes paid for a whole bunch of uh, terrain for his game club. So he said he would do it for commission, like he would read off of this story if we provided his game club terrain, and so we placed a big old order with uh uh. War game or war mat, war game mat dot eu or whatever it's called. Place a big old order. Yeah, with, them. with the uh, the gener- the the pre painted generators and ruins. And yeah, game yeah. mats and things like that. Game mat eu is the name of the company. Yeah, game mat eu. So I always tell Ben to remind his like his uh, <laughs> his game club <laughs> that his mouth paid for all that. <laughs> like, <laughs> just just let let your game club know that you got a magical mouth and that paid for all that. <laughs> So. I don't think I would word it exactly like that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> All you listeners that know Ben Porter, his mouth paid <laughs> for your terrain. Are you are you saying are you saying he shot his wad on what was supposed to be a dry run, and now he has something of a mess on his hands? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> it's close to that. Close to that. Oh, okay. Good. So, <laughs> anyway. What were we talking about? How do we get on the... Oh, yeah, Ben... Oh, the gray. <laughs> the gray. Talking about gray. So, yeah. So that's tight, Derek. For real. I'm both excited and exhausted. Well, I got all the line highlighting and all the Nuln oil process done on these two Leviathans that I'm painting up. And, as we speak right now, I'm painting all the black parts black. Or all the parts that are going to be metal black. So... Two Leviathans are on their way, because I really, really want to be a fifteen hundred point or twenty five hundred point silver closer, and so I've got to. <laughs> <laughs> I invented these patches that I can't even wear. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah. I have patches that uh, I'm not even eligible for because my because <laughs> my fucking drop pods aren't fully fucking painted. So I'm not allowed to handle these without gloves on. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> so once they come in, I'm just gonna be uh, looking at those and. We're hoping that one day I could, <laughs> I could use them. Not gonna lie, me too. Yeah. So we're we're fortunate because we have a uh, two co-hosts that are. One co-host is definitely a gold closer. Actually, both co- y'all are God, both yeah, gold closers. Like, yeah. Goddamn right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, way to even out the. God, army. you have three. You have three uh, twenty-five hundred plus point paint armies, right? Solar Ops yeah. and your two Legion armies? Yeah, they're 
bounced yeah. around, I think, somewhere around 5,000 points or so, those three. I got so a loyalist, I, I got a trader, and I got some guys who kind of got stuck in between. So, yeah. Oh, my God. So, we get it. Y'all have got three patches between the two of y'all. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, by the time Adepticon rolls around, Derek, I'm going to have uh, six, at least six 2,500-point paint armies, so... Wow. Get on no it. pressure, Derek. Brag about no it. pressure. Let's all, <laughs> all measure dicks right now. Let's all measure dicks. <laughs> Got the tape measure handy. <laughs> so anyway, so something interesting just happened just now that I felt like because we've talked about dough coat, we need to discuss. So uh, part of this painting procedure that Ryan laid out many moons ago for me, uh, you paint this model red, and then you get it built up to bloody red, and then you... Uh, hit it, hit all the line highlights, and then you, you do the I, I do the dull coat to seal it, and then I go in and I hit it with the black to come in with the metal. Well, you ever accidentally slapped a big old line of black somewhere where black shouldn't have been after you've already like painted a model and had it line highlighted and everything? So are you talking to me? Well, like anybody, I guess anybody that's listening on right now. Okay, but uh. But yeah, so that just happened. I had a mini freak out for a second, and then I remembered that I've already sealed this red in, and so I just took my thumb and I just wiped that bitch right off, and it just it just slid like a like butter off of that shit, and like it never even happened. Like it never even happened. I mean, it kind of did. You can kind of see it. Battle damage. It's, it's weathering. But, so yeah, that dull coat, man. That dull coat is magical. It's good stuff. But anyway, so yeah, working on Leviathans right now. Working on Leviathans all week, and uh, closer patches coming in. Still, Chinese slow boat, but we still haven't <laughs> figured out how we're going to get those distributed. Trust me, guys, if you're a listener and you're also a follower on the Facebook, then you're probably one of the people that has already sent us a picture <laughs> saying, I'll take one closer patch, please. We, Thank you. We haven't exactly figured out how we're going to be uh, receiving those until we actually have the patches on hand but uh i would slow down slow down on sending the pictures because we may require you to have like some proof that you're not pulling the uh the army off the internet there which would be pretty shitty why would people cheat because people are cheaters dude because people (laughs) cheat people try and break the system by the way if you hear crunching it's because this fat kid uh, me, that's who I'm referring to as the fat kid, is going to eat some sweet tarts because uh, they were left in my presence and now I'm going to eat them. That's okay. <laughs> Go that's for good. it. You earned them. You earned them, kid. But Alright, so that, I mean, that's all I got for hobby progress. Y'all ready to jump on some some Dark Angels talk? Which I'm pretty sure there's like at least one person right now that's never ever listened to our podcast before and like is a Dark Angels player. It saw that we had a Dark Angels episode and was like, I'll give them a try. So this is for them. Like, this is for you, yep. listener, right now. Congratulations. You're still with us. You made it. <laughs> you made it. Pretty much every episode is like this guy. So, uh, you know. So buckle in. <laughs> it's a ride. Send us some feedback because uh, if you're not coming back, we'd like to know why. <laughs> so, anyway. So, first things first, we need to talk about where to get your fluff for your Dark Angels army. I, I guess. 
let's just go over who are the dark angels. How about that? What what <laughs> do we what do we know about the dark angels? It's a pretty long story, I think. <laughs> so so first things first, dark angels, obviously first legion. Uh, by the way, this is part of a series that we're going to be doing, so we are going Legion Legion, so prepare yourself and get ready. And if you have anything that you want us to discuss about a specific Legion, go ahead and send it to us because we're kind of winging it on this first one. So, anyway, on to the Dark Angels. So, first things first, Dark Angels, obviously First Legion. Uh, they're known for being kind of secretive. They're... they're uh, their Primarch himself, he's kind of, uh, do you, would you guys say shady? I wouldn't say shady. He's probably, he's real secretive. He's protective of he's his shady. planet and his legion. <laughs> <laughs> he's shady. He's like a lone in the wild zone, and it feels like he doesn't really trust anyone else around him. He always has his own motivations for doing mm. shit, and whenever, he's not a very good team player. Not a team player. Mm-mm. Which is funny because he creates a fucking thing called the Order or the Brotherhood or whatever the fuck. It's the Order, right? Yeah, right. So he creates and then they fight against the Yeah. So, yeah, like, he always gets involved where he's like, yeah, we'll help you out. And it's supposed to be like a teamwork type thing. And then he always has his own fucking thing going on. And then it always gets found out. And then he always lies about it not being that way. And then he gets proved to be a fucking liar. He's like, yeah, so what, I lied. And then he just rinse, repeat, and does that a bunch of times. He's <laughs> like, every rogue ever and every MMO ever. So so one of the big things like that that I always think about is when you think about different legions and you think about like what their core dynamic is, like especially if you're, it's like, oh, man, you like to be like super secretive and shit, or you like to like, you know, be stealthy, you go Raven Guard. Oh, you like to be bloodthirsty and shit. Uh, you go, uh, you go, world eaters. You know, dark angels are kind of this like weird exception to the rule because they don't have a direct gameplay or game style in, in Horus Heresy. Uh, there's not really like a uh, for for starters. Start, good. I guess you could say that they're super mutable. Like you have the Raven Wing, yeah, which is like super fast, does different stuff, and you got the Iron Wing, which is more of like. I'm going to run some tanks and put some guys in them, things like that. So I think that plays into, like, Lionel Johnson is supposed to be one of the better strategists and, you know, arguably strategist is Gilliman in the fluff and can adapt his, you know, generalship on the fly and come at you in different ways. So I feel like they haven't, because there's only two rights of war to represent two of, like, the seven wings or whatever there is. I mean, if you extrapolate that out, they should be one of the more flexible legions to play, which kind of fits what you were saying. Yeah. I guess we should also touch base. Right now, the Dark Angels, like if this is your first time playing Heresy and you you haven't bought any models yet and you just wanted to see how to play Dark Angels, as of right now and as of this recording, Book 8 hasn't come out yet, so they don't have all of the same kind of special rules and all of like the legion-specific units like some of the other uh, legions have. So they're kind of running off of like some some hacked rules right now. So they don't they're, they're not fully supported yet. They they do have some rights of war. They are completely playable as a legion, uh, but they don't have primarchs. They don't have uh, like I said legion specific units or anything like that. So 
So there, there are some things. They do have some powerful stuff. Rules-wise, though, I, I feel like they're one of the better legions already, just with what they have. Right, just with some of the war gear and stuff like that, right? Like war well, their war gear is extremely good. Both their rights of war are extremely good. Um, and their legion bonus doesn't seem good at first, I guess. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, well, I'm only plus one weapon skill if I have a sword. We don't realize, like... Everything that has an additional weapon in the game, which is like all jet bite guys, all attack bite guys, all outrider guys, veterans, and then if you buy additional weapons for your tactical squad, your tactical support squads, any of that, all of that can be a sword. So you can essentially run around pretty easily with an entire weapon skill 5 arm. Which is pretty significant. If you really think. <laughs> yeah. Always hitting on threes is a pretty fucking badass thing because there's not really a Fuck lot yeah. that's going to be above that so but but yeah very much so so i guess all out the gate man if you're considering starting dark angels uh th- there's real no like play style that you're limited to right now um there are some play styles that will really work well with dark angels we'll go over that in a minute with we're out of war and stuff like that but i mean if you're going to play them, it's pretty much no different than like playing like an Ultramarines army or like an Imperial Fist army. There's nothing really select or special about them, except with the exception of the Ravenwing. Uh, the Ravenwing, if you, if you want a like fast army, like White Scars-esque, but you don't want to play White Scars, then that's going to that's gonna be the fucking way to go on that one. For real. And I will say, the aesthetic on them is pretty dope. Like, power armor with hoods. Something about that just looks fucking cool to me. Fucking knights, dude. Like, yeah, like for real. Powered armored fucking knights. Yeah, their ba- their backstory is very cool. If you read the the books, the world that they come from, in my opinion, is one of the cooler worlds that a Primarch came from. Like, you could do a whole like fantasy slash sci fi slash steampunk, whatever you wanted to call the genre. You do a whole book series based one world pretty easily, and it would be very intriguing. We've got like, just a bunch of isolated settlements surrounded by essentially haunted fucking. <laughs> yeah, haunted. Have fucking... these bands of night that live in. Yeah, I mean that's what they live on, and then uh, the these knights that live in these fortresses protect the people surrounding the fortresses. And in order to become a knight of the order, you have to take up a quest to slay one of these monsters that live in the. Get promoted. And gain honor, and so it's it's pretty damn cool. Like if you read the books, like I really liked. It. I know some people don't like those books. Um, I really liked it just because I thought the world itself was cool. Like just learning more about Caliban and just the whole like about that planet. I found that really intriguing, personally. For real, just fucking monsters everywhere, and then everybody go, picking up quests to go slay monsters. You the book, Scott. What's that? <clears throat> I'm sorry, man. I, I, you're breaking up on my end. Oh, have you read the Dark Angel book? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, actually, funny story. The very first Horace Heresy novel I ever read was, uh, I think, Descent of Angels. Is that the first one that comes in, like, the... Uh, yeah, I think it's, like, book three. They're essentially a three-book story arc, you know. It's, like, Descent of Angels, Fallen Angels, and then Angels of Caliban. Um, that was the yep. first Wars Heresy book I ever read because way, way back in the day, 
Dark Angels were the very first army I ever played in like any miniature war game ever. So I I wanted to check that out and kind of see what they're all about and stuff. Um, I think those books are really good, man. Um, I think the ones written by Gav Thorpe were probably the best ones, especially the latest one, uh, Angels of Caliban. That's a really dope book. Uh, a lot of Primark action in that. And I know that book is kind of the conclusion, or it's not the conclusion, but it's getting there of the um, Imperium Secundus, you know, story arc. You're you're getting close to the end of that at least. I think I think there's one more book ready to come out that's gonna wrap that up. But yeah, that's one of the cool things about that book is it brings it like there. Okay, so Scott, you know quite a bit about Dark Angels, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, at least I did at one point in time. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think we all kind of understand that there's multiple different wings of the Dark Angels, right? I think everybody yeah, here yeah. knows yeah. that there's multiple wings. There's the Iron Wing, which is kind of like a you know tank base, like fucking like armored column of Dark Angels. There's the Death Wing, which is the Terminator based. Like, for I don't is that like first company? Is that kind of how it works? More or less, they're like the, you know the yeah. Marvel guys. Yeah. Yeah. Then you have the. Raven Wing, which is kind of like their Scout Wing, which coming out the gate, like you have a lot of, uh, I guess, uh, fast attack scouting units that kind of go ahead of the rest of the army to to kind of take care of uh, take care of soft targets and stuff like that, while the the main armored column moves forward and stuff like that. Um, tons of uh, tons of bikes, jet bikes, and land speeders and flyers. Yeah. yeah. So like, and then uh, last, and actually one of the ones that I had no idea existed until that book, Angel of Caliban, was the uh, was the Dreadwing. Like that was kind of new to me. And I think there's there's a fifth yeah. one, isn't there? That like, I don't. Uh, I think that I thought there was six or seven. Am I mistaken on that? Yeah, there is. There is more. I don't remember what they are. I know the Dreadwing is new to that book, Angels of Caliban. Uh, but I don't remember what the other ones were that uh, Gathor mentioned. I know he, uh, I heard a book review somewhere where he was writing that book and talked about the Dreadwing and stuff. It might have been, you know, Eye Horse or, or wherever, but uh, some of the inspiration he got for it. And if you read that book, you can, he talks a lot about like grab rhinos and grab like land raiders and void shells on their vindicators and stuff that shoot like, black holes essentially and a cool thing about that is is he is the one who wrote in the mastodon first and then the mastodon actually got a model because gaffthorpe wrote about it kind of you know so you know if you're a dark angels player out there and you're really crushing on the uh dreadwing idea you know keep your fingers crossed maybe it's something forge world to make reality and if you're a dark angels player or you're listening to this episode and you have no interest in the dark angels uh, the Dreadwing is like the last resort. Like when they actually like need something fucking busted open, they unlock all of this like forbidden technology and stuff like that. They open up the R and D department and like just they're like the siege masters of the Dark Angels. You know they and they have um like the Dark Angels being the first founded legion, like the very first Space Marines. The you know the Emperor made. They have technology that goes fucking all the way back like 
you know, shit older than what Mars has been making and stuff. So some some pretty cool cool uh, food for thought there to run with. So it's definitely something to think about is so right now, you know, if you if you look at the Horse Heresy series and you think about what the Emperor has available to him, he has legions that can specifically cater to a job. So he can send the Iron Warriors if he knows needs to go besiege something. You know, he can go to the uh, the World Eaters if he needs to demolish a fucking like world just out the gate, just release the world warhounds on him. Uh, before he had access to all these legions, he only had the Dark Angels. So the, there was a, a good time where the Dark Angels, even before they got, the, even before the Dark Angels had the Lion, they were still working for the Emperor as his like his right hand. Like they they were still yeah. they were still the Legion he'd have to go to. So everything that every Legion is catered to right now the dark angels had to do at some point on their own. So that, that's kind of why there is all these different wings, you know, Raven wing and all this jazz, because there was a, a while there where they were the only Legion and they had to do all this on their own. Right. Right. So right. it was kind of their, it was kind of their chapter or sorry, Legion organization when they were based on Terra is what you're saying. And then later on, whenever they started going back, you know, you have to develop different tactics going forward in the crusade, but they were the, so none of the other legions really took on that command structure, but they kept theirs. And then in certain times they can call together the old quote unquote old wings and put them together in those specialized formations that they used on the unification wars. And they do what the wings are. And they do though. Like it, like the the whole like dread wing, like situation with in, in angels Caliban with no spoilers or anything. They do call on the dread wing. And these are people like that are like embedded in the like in the in the legion, and like they get like a special call. They're like, "Oh shit, I gotta go. I got business to take care of." It's like you, you like you get told like that you're a member of the Dreadwing, and then you, you know your special classification. And when you get that special like ringing in your ear, you know it's time to go. It's like the part in that movie Navy Seals with Charlie Sheen where they get all their pagers going off and they leave the weddings and golf courses and shit and all go do their SEAL team shit. Exactly like that. Exactly like Charlie Sheen in that movie that Ryan saw. <laughs> <laughs> like if y'all could all just remember that scene that Ryan saw. <laughs> and think of Charlie Sheen in some black power armor. Just model your Praetors after Charlie Sheen. Send us the pictures. So. You're probably going to want to model those after like early 80s Charlie Sheet as opposed to <laughs> HIV heavy viral load Charlie Sheet now. I mean, to each his own. <laughs> Dreadwing's Dreadwing, bro. <laughs> Do what? <laughs> what happened there? I said, I said tiger blood. Tiger, tiger blood. blood, yeah. Dope ass space drugs. Yeah, dope ass fucking space drugs. So. So yeah, guys. So if if y'all are out there wondering like what books you can go read if like you're suddenly just interested in the Dark Angels, uh, there's a few out there. Uh, there's Descent of Angels takes place before the Great Crusade. Uh, it kind of features the life on Caliban, the Order, and the Lion and Luther's relationship, and the coming of the Imperium to Caliban. So if you like want to get an idea of like what life was like on Caliban before the Imperium came and kind of like 
how that planet was running while the lion was there before he met the emperor. That's definitely a good book. Uh, give that a give that a a read. Uh, there's a legit fucking short story out there that you can go pull off of Black Library called Savage Weapons by Aaron Dembski Bowden. Uh, that is a short story that kind of has. It, it, I'm guessing this was written before the Dreadwing because a lot of the uh, a lot of the it, it doesn't talk about the Dreadwing in it, but it does have some. It follows uh, two Space Marines going in there, two Dark Angels, and it really recalls back to a lot of them being on Caliban and what it was like before the other Legion started showing up. So it's a good one. Uh, there's Masters of the First. Uh, it kind of lets you know what's going on while the lion is away fighting the war master. Uh, so that's a, like, that's probably one of the biggest contentions. And like, I guess if you've never listened to this podcast before, or, you know, and you're one of those new players that's thinking about playing dark angels because you saw their cool scheme or something like that. And you really haven't done any research into dark angels. Then we're just going to have to break it to you right now that, one of the biggest things of uh, ammo that anybody's going to use against you playing Dark Angels is that Lionel Johnson stood on the fence during the Great Crusade. and that, Yeah, and there's one real specific example of this that was really <laughs> bad So that I think of. Go ahead, go ahead. So it was like, um, it might have been that short story you were talking about, Savage Weapons, where... Uh, essentially the dark angels learn about the, you know, the horse heresies going on and shit and horse is turned traitor. So they raid a mechanicum forge and steal all these siege guns. And then they run into Pertrabo and they're like, he like kind of, Hey, Pertrabo, man, I got all these siege guns. You like siege, right? Yeah, of course you do. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you these siege guns. If when all this is said and done, you vote for me to be the next war master. <laughs> Pretty so, sorry. I was like, what a shady <laughs> cunt that guy is, man. He didn't know that Pertorabo was traitor yet, though. No. Well, he found out. <laughs> yeah. I, but, I mean, yeah, it still it still shows his character, like Scott's saying, but a little bit in his defense at the time, it was right before all the Legion showed up at Isfahan, um 5 to kill the War Master. So the Iron Warriors were on their way to Isfahan. Spawn five. Yeah, yeah. But they came across the uh, distress signal, so they actually picked up the siege guns on the way to Spawn five. Where obviously we all know that they switched sides and joined the War Master and all that. Yeah, that's when it, that's when they were officially like traitor to everybody. So, so right. So in in Lionel's defense, he didn't know that he was, you know. It's but like he, thought, it. he just thought that they, they were. He just thought that they were killing his brother and we're going to have to promote someone else. So we thought, eh, but they're going to have to promote somebody else because my one brother's a traitor, then it might as well be me. So I'll just do some campaigning and give these guns to Pergarabo. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, fuck. Well. <laughs> 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 so re- regardless, though, like that kind of like spread the seed of doubt amongst his like, his his legion and everything like that. And while he's gone, well, it doesn't help that he, he shows up to. I mean, there's just so many instances. Like, <laughs> don't really want to get into all of them, but like when Imperium he shows up to fucking, you know? yeah, with all his drop pods locked and loaded, about you know, and then 
tells like pretends that everything's cool with you know Gilliman and all that, and then you you know he cheap shotted the fucking Lehman Russ in their fist fight. Um, going back further than that, and then you look at how his Legion behaves on their home world. If you read that one short story where you have Terran guys show up and they know that there's kind of like a civil war and they like all fucking backstabbing each other, like Luther and the Terran guy and some other dude, they're all like trying to have revolts and it's a fucking mess. So there's something wrong, like pathologically wrong with the Dark Angels that make them behave that way. Yeah, that's the way I understand it. There's just no trust. And actually, that that is something that I was talking about when I was uh, saying uh, the Masters of the First. That's actually in that audio book. It lets you know what's going on while the lion is away from Caliban and dealing with the Imperium Secundus whole set of time. And it really gives you a deeper look into, I guess, the lack of trust that even these, uh, even these space marines or members of the Dark Angels had for the Lion, and so it was a pretty pretty and big deal. Do what? And each other. And each other. Well, I think one of the biggest, like, I mean, if we're gonna talk about it, let's talk about it. If uh, I think one of the biggest things that that happens right now is like you have to like really think about the Dark Angels. A lot of those Marines serve the Emperor before they serve the Lion, you know. And the Lion knew that, and so the Lion, when he comes around, he's like, "Hey, you, I don't trust you, cats, because like you were like born before." born before I was found. And so you just, you remember following the emperor. Well, now you're supposed to answer to me. And it's like whenever like a company absorbs another company and you're just like, you know, Hey, this is your new CEO. They're like, well, I like the old CEO. Like, you know, it it just doesn't work very well. You're always going to have some, like some inner turmoil because people are going to get promoted from the new company and the old company is going to get forgotten about. And that's kind of what's going on right now. And I think that's the best way to describe it. (laughs) Like, it's just, it's just rough for him. Because the lion doesn't fucking trust them, so the lion just kind of squeezes them out. But, but anyway, that's definitely a good book to check out, guys. Uh, Masters of the First. Uh, there is another one called The Lion. Uh, it's where the lion has to choose sides between the Iron Hands and Death Guard. Uh, as far like, There's a mysterious artifact in there. Uh, it kind of lets you know how the dark, how the lion deals with uh, deals with other legions. Like especially, he's pretty condescending when it comes to any other legion. <laughs> A lot more than other Primarchs are. But uh, one I did want to talk about was Deathwing. I kind of want to get your opinion on it, Ryan. Do you think this is canon anymore, or is Deathwing? Kinda, I know De- I've read Deathwing. It was a great book, but. It seems like a lot of it's retcon now that there's no more like Native American fucking aesthetic to shit or anything. Um, I have no clue because that's a 40k book, right? Yeah, but it has like the origins of the Deathwing, and none of those origins. I think I was full blown heresy by the time that that came out. I don't think I ever read that. Okay, well that's fair enough. But yeah, okay, it it has a lot of like Native American tie. Like, I don't think you can read Deathwing anymore. 
if you see that book, just kind of kind of toss it to the side. And you're not going to get a lot of out of it. Um, the the ultimate question of is this something canon or not anymore is you need to look at the cover of the book, and if it's 40k, you have to count however many anime tentacles and slugs it has on the cover. And if it has those things, it's probably canon. If it doesn't, no. For fucking old powers well, I guess it de- I guess it depends on how you look at it because I see that and I go, I'm ignoring that and pretending that doesn't exist. So it's not canon. <laughs> it doesn't exist. Is the rock over uh over the fang? If it is, ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's 40k. So, but yeah, that's uh, th- those are the books, man. If you wanna, if you wanna read more fluff on that, we're kind of just touching base on it. But I feel like if I was on the fence or like, who the fuck are the Dark Angels? And I heard us talking about it, I'd be. I feel like we really sold them up versus like what the community will do to you. Am I right? Like, yeah, Cause yeah. The, the community's <laughs> pretty harsh on <laughs> the Dark Angels. They, yeah, they get a lot yeah, they, yeah. of undeserved shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I've always... I've never liked them fluff-wise for the reasons we've just talked about. Like, just being shady fucks and whatever. Like, I, I've i never been a fan of that. But they do have one of the more fleshed-out backgrounds of any Legion with all, you know, all the old fluff. And they have one of the cooler backgrounds. Like, there's a lot of shit going on there. It's, kind of, it's a very neat story. And I also like that... At least in 40k, you could always paint like your army three different distinct colors. They had a lot of green, and then they had a lot of pure black, and then they had a lot of white, and then combinations of that. So you can paint a very interesting army with a bunch of different colors in it that that still all draws on the same theme where you're not just painting like, all these guys are red, and all these guys are green, like that kind of thing. And I feel like you can still do that in 30k because they describe the Caliban units using more green and the Terran units using more black. So you can kind of do a mix of green and black, and then, you know, who knows when Book 8 comes out, they might start adding in some of that cream color, or, you know, as, a, like, more of a primary color for the Deathwing or the Dreadwing or one of those other wings. Absolutely. They have cool, uh, like, cool little accent marks as well. Um, they have, like, checker patterns on a lot of them in Book 6, especially, you know, some of uh, they'll have checker patterns on, like, their knee pads or gauntlets, things like that, and... Uh, that I mean, that would look pretty dope painted up, I would imagine. And there's yeah, there's plastic that, kits of Douglas, all these like. Go ahead. I was just saying that Douglas in the patron chat, his Dark Angels are painted up with a lot of those markings like that, and they look yep. really fucking cool. I saw them in person at Nova. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine if you you can buy some of those plastic kits like the Dark Angels veterans and stuff for the 40k line you could probably kit bash those with you know calf marines or whatever you know whatever your flavor is and come up with some pretty nice pretty nice effects yeah you definitely can um max from our club did that and because the robes cover up most of the armor you can get away you know like, even though it's quote-unquote mark 7 armor you can't see it because it's covered up by robes so you can just barely see the knee pads or whatever so it's really not that big of a deal yeah <clears throat> Yeah, and a lot of the Mark Seven stuff, as far as like shoulder pad wise and, and stuff that you'll see and find within a game's workshop, you you can pick that up and like use that on Mark Four Marines and and be okay. I mean, it's just a little thicker, but it, it should be <laughs> fine. So, 
Well, I think what Max did was just bought those veteran bodies, like Scott was saying, with the legs and the – so they have a robe over their torso, and then they have the, the split robe down below where you can just barely make out their legs. Um, and then he just put the upgrade heads from Forge World on the guys or put the hooded heads because some of the hooded heads have uh, a version of, like, a Mark IV helmet or an older-style-looking helmet or yeah. even a bear head. And then he just used, like, uh, whatever heresy shoulder pads that he likes. So I think he used Mark III pads on them just because they look more knightly with the rivets and shit on them. Fuck yeah. um, and they, they look pretty. And then he put heresy bolters on, on them, and they look pretty damn cool. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we can get. You know what? And what we'll do is we'll hit run into that Patreon chat, and we'll pull some Dark Angel pictures for you guys, and I will post them in a picture dump for this episode. So if you're looking at starting Dark Angels, at least you can get a a good idea of like what you can do with them. Because yeah, we we have some Patreon dudes that definitely play Dark Angels and definitely have great looking armies. I've seen a lot of people use the Azra. Is it Azra? No, it's not Azrael. It's a uh... Who's the guy on Samael? Samael on his jet bike as a jet bike Praetor. I've seen that used a ton in Harrison. Fuck yeah. But uh, just for starters, guys, if you are going to be playing Dark Angels, you want to know where to start, you're going to have to pick up book six right now, which is Retribution. Uh, they will be on page 266 is where their rules are going to start. And I guess, uh, do you all want to start going over what they get special over every other Legion? Yeah. Sure. Okay. So, first things first, they have the normal Legion of Starters rule, which is every Space Marine pretty much has. Uh, units with a special rule may always attempt to regroup their normal leadership value regardless of casualties. Standard. Uh, you're going to get that with any Legion you go with. Uh, they have Mastery of the Blade, which means when fighting an assault with one of the following weapons, which is Combat Blade, Chain Sword, Heavy Chain Sword, Power Sword... Tyrannic Greatsword, Calibite Warblade, Paragon Blade, modeled as swords. When fighting a model with a with an equal weapon skill, a model with a swept with this special rule strikes on a three. So that's actually what Ryan was talking about earlier when he was saying that pretty much every unit out there that can have a combat blade or any upgrade to a close combat weapon, just model them with a chain sword, model them with a combat blade. As long as it's a sword, they'll get that plus one weapon skill for anybody that has equal weapon skill to them. So, that's pretty much hitting on threes against Space Marine equivalent. Yep, and a lot of Mechanicum stuff as well. Yeah. Uh, the next rule that they have that no other Legion will have is a Covenant of Death. Uh, for the first Legion, no victory is complete unless a foe is slain outright and utterly brought to ruin. If at the end of the game an opposing force has an equal or greater number of units in play than an army that has a Dark Angel's primary detachment, uh, the opposing force gains an additional D3 victory points. <laughs> Fleeing units not count towards working out this total. Uh, that kind of sucks. This was a, <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty harsh drawback. But like I said, they're pretty powerful legion. So, I mean, with all the other stuff they got going for them, this is probably a fair drawback, even though it's one of the more harsh ones. I've actually seen it affect uh, a couple of games, for sure. So, can't have... a. Uh... Can't have an omelet without breaking a few eggs, so you got to have some bad with the good. Uh, one of the cool things that we bring up quite a bit in this, you know, us talking was the Legion-specific war gear. So there's the Weapons of Old Knight, 
And so any character with Legion of Stardust Dark Angel special rule with access to a power sword as part of the war gear option mainstay take a Calibanite Warblade uh, for an additional points. I'm not going to go into that. Or exchange a power sword that is part of their basic equipment for a Calibanite Warblade for free. Uh, Calibanite Warblade is a plus one strength and it's AP3. So it's just taking your power sword, bumping it up to strength, one strength for 10 points. What do you think about that, Ryan? Well, I mean, it's the same points as a power sword, but it's plus one strength. So why wouldn't you do it? All day. So, so I mean, in any instance where you were going to take a power sword, you would just take one of these instead for the <laughs> same cost. We know how Ryan feels about power swords. Any model with the Lina Stardust Special Rule, which has access to a plasma gun as part of their weapons war gear options, may instead take a plasma repeater for plus 20 points. In the case of units with multiple plasma guns, all such weapons in the same unit must be upgraded if this option is chosen. So plasma repeater is a 12-inch plasma gun that's strength 6, AP2, salvo 2, 3, twin-linked, and gets hot. So plasma repeater. So good. So this plus Outrider bikes makes like twin links plasma repeaters on Outrider bikes. Is that is that right? Yeah. Yes, but the problem with that is it's what twenty points. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's twenty points to do it. So you got to do it for everybody in the unit. So you're you're. Well, what's funny? What what's funny about that is for Outrider bikes, the actual just normal plasma guns twenty five. So this is actually five <laughs> points cheaper to go this way and get a much better gun well there you go oh yeah so it, it does say <laughs> instead so it's not in addition so for yeah <laughs> how about that <laughs> they'd still be 50 points a bike but i guess you're getting three plasma shots at 12 inch range it's twin link per guy for 50 points that's relentless they can move 12 and then unload these 12 it's not like you're not going to get within 12 inches with the Outriders. Yeah, that ain't nothing. Yeah. Is there any other unit you'd see that would excel with, Ryan? No, because no other unit that I'm aware of is relentless, and it's really only going to work well on a... Not, well, I guess, I guess if, if you're Salvo 2-3, the way Salvo works is only, only halves range if you move. So if you don't move, you shoot full range and the maximum number of shots. So on bikes, it would... Have, actually be three shots at what's the max range on it 18 uh 12 inches 12 inches uh, the plasma repeater yes yeah, 12 inches uh, okay so yeah on a relentless model would be 12 on a non-relentless model the range would go down to six inches because you have your range and shoot the lowest number yeah so i just don't see that being very good i mean there's no other relentless plasma guns that i can think of can you think of any? Nope. Mm. I mean, uh, other than if you want to metaphorically and literally roll the dice and go for Biomancy and try to hit Endurance, which gives you Relentless on, on any unit. Not worth it. Don't do it. Bold move, Cotton. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we got that, which will pair very well with a Ravenwing here in a little bit. Uh, but yeah. we'll go ahead and hold off on that. So s any Praetor Centurion or console with Legion of as Dark Angel Special Rule with access to a Power Fist as part of the War Gear options may instead take a Tyrannic Greatsword 
for X amount of points. Tyrannic Greatsword, plus two strength, AP three, melee, two-handed, instant death. So it's kind of like a power axe, but AP three and has instant death. How do you feel about this Tyrannic Greatsword there, Ryan? It decapitated my Praetor at Nova. <laughs> my God. Um, now, it's one of those things like, it's not, I don't think it's as good as a Paragon Blade, but on any character, there's. but the only thing that has access to a Paragon Blade is a Praetor, where you can put this thing on any, you know, any of the HQ characters. So I think this is a great upgrade for anything that's not a Praetor. I think on a Praetor, you're going to take a Paragon Blade instead. Rock and roll. So you hear that, guys? Centurion only. Praetor gets Paragon Blade. Well, I mean, any... Uh, is it only Pra? Which... What's... Who can take it? Uh, Praetor, Centurion, or console with uh, Legion of Stardis Dark Angels? Yeah. So it's any console. So really, any character can yeah, take it. Yeah, you could put it. that so on pretty Chaplain. much any HQ. Yeah. You could put it on Chaplain. You could put it on Librarian. I mean, you could <clears> probably keep the free force weapon. But yeah, like, so... It's a good... It's a pretty solid, you know upgrade on pretty much any of the consoles decapitate motherfuckers left and right yeah it's really extremely good against mechanicum because a lot of their robots are only a three up armor save and then it's instant death you will literally go through an entire squad of castellax and a round of close combat with a couple of these on guys i've seen it happen <laughs> That is. I saw a unit of five Castellacs get charged by a Chaplain and a Praetor that both had these, and they literally just went through that entire unit of Castellacs before they even struck the back. Damn. See, that's the kind of shit that I'd want to hear if I was considering <laughs> Dark Angels. Like, hearing that little story really is like, oh, fuck yeah, definitely taking that cool fucking sword. It's like, well, I'm going to go answer some Mechanicum real quick. <laughs> I'm going to go pick a fight with Tim. <laughs> All right. So next thing up is special issue ammunition. Stasis shells may be taken on models with the Legion of Stardust Dark Angel special rule. Equipped with a grenade launcher, twin link grenade launcher, or missile launchers as an additional ammunition type. Uh, so Stasis Shells are Grenade Launcher, 12-inch, Strength 3, Assault 1 Blast, 3-inch, Stasis Anomaly. All models in a unit hit by one or more of this weapon. Special rules suffer a minus one penalty to their weapon skill and initiative to a minimum of one until the next turn. Hit by one or more of these weapons. Okay, so it's always going to be just minus one. You can't stack that shit. So. No, but it's still extremely good. I, I see a lot of people just take a combi grenade launcher, like on a sergeant. Um, mm -hmm. Like, uh, on terminators are a good thing. Like, you can take a unit of cataphracty and just put, throw one of these on a sergeant, and then you just thump this into the unit, because all it has to do is hit, and one then they're person. at minus one, yeah. and then you can... Yeah, and then you can charge in, and the whole unit is at minus one, and then you get to fight before they do. Wow. So, so this then, is interesting. This is kind of shitty. Well, and actually, it's not that bad. Actually, now I think about it. Yeah, especially if you're hitting something that's like special, uh, like a special unit that's weapon skill five, dropping down to weapon skill four, and then your swords kick in. Yeah, yeah. just thinking that. Yeah. And think of it, think of it this way: like with the mastery of the blade thing, like what Ryan was talking about earlier with buying additional 
traditional close combat weapons. You're going to be weapon skill five, so you're going to be hitting most things on threes. Now they're only going to be weapon skill four or three, and they're going to be lower initiative. Yeah. Pretty. pretty. So you're getting in is it, there. Is this, is my, this is lower initiative, not lower weapon skill, right? It's both. It's yeah. both. Minus one to both. weapon skill and both. initiative. Both, okay. Yeah, so we, this is going to take weapon skill five units and make, make them four, so all these specialty Legion units like Phoenix Terminators, things like that, you're taking them from where they were one higher than you and going to hit you on threes to making them even, and then when you're, then your sword thing's going to kick in and you're going to actually be better. So you're literally reversing the roles plus fighting before they do. Thunk. Yes. So... Yeah, pretty I, solid I, can see, I can see why they made it blast because that would be nuts with Overwatch. Oh yeah, yeah. So, last thing on the list is molecular acid shells, and this is kind of the what a lot of people take. Uh, molecular acid shells well, may be taken on models with Legion of Stars, Dark Angel Special Rule, and Dreadnoughts of any type in the Dark Angel Detachment, equipped with the heavy bolters or twin-linked heavy bolters as an additional ammunition. Uh, type uh, molecular acid shells 36 inch range strength 2 AP D6 heavy 3 poison 2 plus so they hit on 2 plus and the AP is randomly rolled so Ryan why do we see this so much in the because it's one of the best pieces of war gear in the entirety of the game <laughs> what would you be and sticking also this if you, uh, oh. anything that has a heavy bolter that can take it. <laughs> There's no reason not to. Hashtag uh, jet bikes. <laughs> this is a good one. Hashtag it, jet it's bikes. Great on it. It's great on uh, jet bikes. Like Scott said, it's really good on attack bikes. Um, there are units that people initially think that, hey, I'm going to put this on there, but like uh, rapier batteries. But the problem is rapier batteries don't have a heavy bolter or twin link heavy bolter. They actually have a quad heavy bolter, which unfortunately as its entirely own unit like weapon entry it's not like uh twin linked people always think that if if you can upgrade this but it doesn't say twin link they get all uppity about it but i'm like well there is no you can't find a unit entry for a twin linked gun of any kind because twin linked is a universal special rule not a weapon type so if it just said if the quad heavy bolter um in its description just said it was, you know, two twin-linked heavy bolters instead of having its entire unit profile, then you would be able to upgrade it. But unfortunately, it literally has its own separate entry in the book, so it is a separate weapon entry. Yep. So... Um, yeah, but I mean, this is good on just heavy bolter support, heavy support squads, but I mean, I mean if you're going to take those guys anyway... Um, this is still a major upgrade, but I think the best, the thing that you see them most on is jet bikes, but I think they're also extremely good on attack bikes. The reason you see them more on jet bikes is because with Ravenwing, you can get jet bikes as troops. So when you can get these on a scoring unit with a two plus armor save that moves fast, relentless, all that, it makes it extra brutal. For sure. And we'll get into that whenever we're discussing uh, Ravenwing here in a little bit. But, yeah, that's, you are, like, if you immediately just heard this, think that you've just figured out some incredible combo putting them on jet bikes. Uh, this has been known. They've got it. Like, it's, it's, it's a, 
It's pretty well known. Um, it's a. Well, I, I would imagine. Well, when, and when you good when you figure you roll a d6 for the AP half the time, like most units in the game only have a three up armor save, or you know, or what you know, or that's like a good armor save in the game, and you're ignoring that half the time. Which is great. Like that's a incredible. Because you know you you roll a one, two, or three, or you roll higher than that. So it's extremely good. And then you know two thirds of the time you're ignoring any armor save in the game. And the other key thing, if if you read, if you actually read through the entry again slower, it's it specifically states when firing a weapon with these rounds, they may use the following. Pro so. When you upgrade to these rounds, you don't always have to use them. So if you're worried about, well, I used my heavy bolters on my jet bikes to sometimes pop rhinos or whatever, this doesn't stop that. These shells are in addition to the ones that you have already. So you, there's no drawback to taking these things whatsoever. Yeah, so like if, you're, if you find yourself against Solar Auxilla and all that stuff and you just want to murder Solar Ox, you can completely ignore the chance that you would, the, you know, one third chance that you would not be able to penetrate their armor and just make it happen with your AP four, your normal AP four. Yes. Or if you're shooting a rhino or a light armored vehicle in the rear, some armor 10, you yeah. can just use your normal rounds. Giggity. So, so I'm going to ask a question, Ryan, and you can just say pass. If you just want me to skip the question altogether, because it has come up before and I've, I'm kind of curious. I figure I should ask now because it might come up in a Dark Angels player's mind. And that is, do you roll for each individually, or do you roll for the unit? Um, the way it re reads in the book, you roll for each individually. Okay. Because re read what it says. Uh, so like, just... Molecular acid shell may be taken on models with Legion Starters, Dark Angel Special Rule, and Dreadnoughts. Of any type in the Dark yep. Angels attachment equipped with heavy bolters or twin linked heavy bolters. Yep. So roll each time the weapon is fired is what it says when it says D6. Yeah, so it says when the weapon is fired, weapon singular. Okay. <clears throat> so, okay, so fair enough. So if you're just going to be starting to play Dark Angels, get ready because you're going to have to roll a dice each time you fire a heavy bolter. But that just is more chances to <laughs> to get. That. It's actually better that way, um, in my opinion. It's it makes it more powerful. I have a feeling. Well, if if whoever, whenever they redo the red books, if someone is smart, which sometimes they are and sometimes they aren't, um, they would change this to it's where it says when a unit with these weapons fires or when a squad with these weapons fires. You you know you basically change it to where you only roll one die and then applies to the entire unit just just for a time saving thing. Gotcha. Okay. And if, and if my opponent wanted to play that way, I wouldn't argue with it because, like I said, I feel like it's better the other way because you figure, um, like so if you shoot a squad of five guys, five jet bikes, which is going to be fifteen heavy bolter shots. If you fired those at my five Terminators and you rolled a one or a two where you're ignoring their armor, 15 of those rounds are still just going to, they're just going to overkill that unit. It's that you don't really need that many. Um, but if they roll 
a three or higher, then I'm going to get my armor save against all of it. Where if I roll each one individually, really I only have to hit a one or a two once or twice. I don't really need the whole squad because five or, you know, three to six rounds, you're still going to murder a bunch of Terminators with that. So you're just giving yourself a higher probability of at least getting one or two bikes, which is typically all you need, you know, to put a bunch of AP2 wounds downrange. And then you get to choose the order in which they're applied being the attacker, so you can... You know, if they have mixed armor saves and the, the three-plus armor save guys are closer, you just make them take those saves first. And then when you finally get to the AP2 guy, you you tell them to apply those wounds then. Good God. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you just couldn't let them figure that out on their own. <laughs> you had to... Well... <laughs> you had to <laughs> arm them. <laughs> okay. So, guys out there, if you're just thinking about starting playing Dark Angels, you obviously have just discovered the <laughs> the the thing that everybody likes about them so that is those molecular acid shells not necessary to take but uh is definitely a big part of the army so oh real quick another tip if you take these things on a jet bike squad there's really no reason to upgrade to special weapons in the squad i see a lot of people take like six jet bikes and then mix these with whatever and i feel like these are better than any upgraded weapon you can upgrade to so i would just stick with pure heavy bolters with this upgraded round no plasma necessary no multi-melting necessary just straight heavy bolters by the way when i was what i was getting at that you can fire anything it specifically says on the special issue ammo it says dark angel detachment equipped with heavy bolters or twin length heavy bolters as an additional ammunition type for five points a model so it specifically says it's an additional ammo type so you still keep your normal ones that's what we were talking about earlier yeah because i know people are going to question me on well how did you figure that out well it says it right there so <laughs> just had heading that question off the path all right so i guess so that's going to be all the additional war gear and all the special rules you're going to get out of it guys uh Good stuff. I mean, good stuff all around. We kind of went over how to use those different war gears and stuff like that and some of the cool combos you can get with it. Uh, hopefully that, if you were worried about taking Dark Angels or you're thinking about starting Dark Angels, hopefully it talked you into it or maybe it uh, enlightened you a little bit. Uh, so right now, as far as rights of war, uh, the Dark Angels have two specific rights of war available to them in addition to all the other ones they have. Ryan, real quick off the top of your head, is there any right of war that you think outside of these two Legion-specific ones that are, are pretty decent for Dark Angels that somebody who is starting Dark Angels would look at? Um, Pride of the Legion could be cool, getting a bunch of vets and giving them uh, um, a bunch of like power weapons or whatever to take advantage of their plus-one weapon skill without having to take Weapon Master. So you could take like, like sniper vets, but then put some power swords in the unit and kind of double-dip. So that wouldn't be bad. Same thing with Assault Marines. Assault Marines, because they have chain swords, are going to be essentially weapon skill 5 Assault Marines against most things. So you could take that and drop Assault Vanguard, which is a really good right of war where all of your Assault Marines show up turn 1. And then you could pair that with um, you know, some uh, jet bikes and things like that with taking those molecular acid rounds. Like You could build a pretty cool list that way. Uh... I think armored, let's see, 
yeah, I mean, pretty much all the, like, you could obviously build a good armored breakthrough list. Armored spearhead would be cool with all the land raiders. Um, put, take a bunch of land raiders with terminators, that'd be fluffy. Um, yeah, I mean, I, off the top of my head, that's about all I got right now. I'm sure I could go through each one and find little things, but no. without any, yeah. Yeah, not necessary. I just wanted to. Research. I know you always have, yeah. like, cool combos in your head that you think of just and it's always fun to get them out so the, the two the two rights of war that are available to them why don't you go over them Derek let's hear your voice oh I was just looking over what could take a suspenser web oh a suspenser web okay but yeah so the veteran yeah anyway so the unique rights of war that the dark angels do get they get the raven wing protocol that one gives you iron knights where you can take legion jet bike sky hunter squadrons and outrider squads as troops, and in fact, those are the only troops' choices you can take in your primary detachment. Uh, any independent characters selected for use with this ride of war must take a Space Marine bike or a Scimitar jet bike as part of their war gear. So, certain independent characters without that option may not be used. But that also gives you the ability to uh, give your independent character models in, in this detachment the ability to reroll wounds against targets with toughness 5 or more in an assault. In addition, they and any unit with Legion of Stardis Dark Angel special rule they have joined ignore penalties to their leadership in the assault phase. And then you also can take uh, your jet bikes and skimmers may leave the table in their own movement phase and be placed into ongoing reserves to reinterplay using the outflank special rule. And then sweeping advance rolls for all units in this detachment can be re-rolled if you want. And character models in this detachment may be equipped with rad grenades for an additional point cost. But oh, five, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, the only vehicles you're allowed to take are skimmers and flyers. All infantry units must begin the game deployed in a, in a flyer, and they do interplay via reserves from that flyer. Uh, you can't take any fortifications or an allied detachment, and your lords of war choice must be a flyer. And Legion of Stardis Dark Angels model using this right of war never benefit from leadership characteristic or any leadership bonus or special rule from any model which does not have the Legion of Stardis Dark Angels or Sire of the Dark Angels special rule. Nor may units using this right of war be joined by independent characters not part of this detachment. So immediately one thing that jumps out to me with these limitations, your Lord of War has to be a flyer, and you can't take any leadership-related bonus or special rule from anyone who doesn't have Legion of Stardis Dark Angels or Sire of the Dark Angels, but you actually can't take Lionel Johnson unless he is a flyer like your Lord of War has right. to be a flyer but when Lionel yep. Johnson gets rules if he is a Lord He'll of War yeah so that's kind of this, a weird this uh, book had a lot of mistakes in it it's not book it's not book seven level mistakes but there's still quite a few mess ups in this book so I it's one of those things that may change whenever they get real rules in book eight yeah. Unless Lionel Johnson can fly. Well, a flyer is a type of vehicle, so... Well, yeah, maybe he'll be a flyer. Maybe he'll be just a... <laughs> that'd be badass, I'm not gonna lie, but... Like, you can play Lionel Johnson, or you can play Lionel Johnson standing on top of his, like, his sto Stormbird. Damn right. That'd be, that'd be badass, dude. So, immediately, one question I have. So, Search and Destroy. Uh, jet Bikes and Skimmers can leave the table in their own movement phase. Yep. Does anything stop that? Can they just walk out of combat off the board? 
No, because they would in the movement phase, it would still require you to move your normal movement in the movement phase. So if you're locked in combat, you can't do that. Does it specify they have to like walk off the board, or can they just disappear from the table? It says move off the board, I believe. Uh, no, it says uh, jet bikes and skimmers, including those independent characters, may leave the table in their own movement phase and be placed in ongoing reserves. It doesn't specify off the board edge. That's I mean, a gray area. The, definitely. Ian, the way the way I read it is that they can leave the board through movement because it's in the movement phase. Yeah, definitely check with your TO on that. I mean, I I believe that too. But, I mean, rules as written, it doesn't specify any movement taking place. It just says in their movement phase, they can leave the table. And if you pick up your models in the middle of the movement phase and take them off the table while locked in combat, somebody's going to fucking hit you. Like, that's just that's just the bottom line. I mean, like... Well, you, I, I don't think it means that at all because if Korax has a similar rule, but it specifically states when he does it, you you can remove... It says remove him from the table... It doesn't say he moves or whatever. It just says remove him from the table, even if he's in combat, and place him in reserve. That's why I think that this is an actual movement off the board, just because somebody else has a similar ability that's worded totally different that literally does mean just remove it from the board. I swear to God, Derek, if I see somebody do this at Adepticon and reference this <laughs> podcast, I'm kicking you. Like, <laughs> okay, I'm just saying, for the, uh, for the new player, maybe checking out Dark Angels... Uh, if you're if you're arguing a rule based on the rules doesn't say I can't do that, you're you're gonna get kicked in the head a lot. Yeah, like that that's gonna happen if you're gonna start. Yeah, I would just I always try to play it the most restrictive way. Um, if my opponent wanted to do this, I would let them. I usually let my opponent play with the most abusive way. Typically, I mean sometimes when it's like really clear to me that they're abusing the rules, like it's like. You're like the one person on the face of the planet that think it re- thinks it reads this way. I'm not going to let him get away with that. But if it's a, a fairly decent gray area like this, if they... Are you still there? Hello? Yeah, we're yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. if, um, if uh, it's if it's one of those things where it's a true gray area like this, and it's the way that they're mm-hmm. used to playing it, I would personally let them play it, but I would hold myself to the standard of not playing it that way just to be safe. Uh, like I said, I'm not asking because I think it works that way. I'm asking because I know somebody's going to have that question. Yeah, I don't. I think you have to move off the board. If I had to rule it, I would rule that you have to physically move your model in the movement phase, and the board edge has to be within 12 inches, and you move them off the board. Dig it. Yeah, I think that's fair. Because I mean, a jet bike and a skimmer isn't typically going to be all that far from the board edge anyway. Yeah, and I would rule it that only one model of the squad has to make it off the board, just like a failed morale check. If one model goes off the board, you remove the whole unit. Take it. So what do you think about that Ride of War, Ryan? Uh, it's extremely good. I think it's one of the better Ride of Wars in the game. I would put it probably in the top three. No, no doubt it's in the top five, probably in the top, top three. So I know one of the biggest things that I've seen personally when people want to start uh dark angels ravenwing is they are always caught up in the choice between outriders or jet bikes <laughs> i'm guessing you're on the the jet uh, bike side i'm team jet bike yeah they're just a far superior unit and then when you consider the 
the up the other war gear upgrades that Dark Angel have, their upgrades just fit the jet bike better. <laughs> so no, not very many plasma repeater outriders out there. What do you think, Scott? Team jet bike. I agree. Unless unless you just you know you want to like cover all your bases and you just want a different type of bike to put plasma repeaters on or something like that. That's the only reason I think I would take outriders. I mean, jet bikes are, and even even then, jet bikes are still probably with molecular acid shells are going to put out better, like anti infantry fire at significantly longer distance than a plasma repeater will. So, I don't know. Well, I mean, plus, like I wrote that bike essay. Outriders are an assault unit, not a shooting unit, anyway. And you're going to be so close and want to assault with outriders if you're using them properly. You're going to be jinking a ton of the time, and then you spend, you know, twenty points per bike what you know upgrade to upgrade their firepower which then you're just going to be snap shooting anyway because you're jinking a lot yeah 10-4 well i mean i think there is definitely some benefit to the outrider squads with the rad grenades and then just go around hitting those uh, high toughness units yeah oh outriders are good assault unit yeah. for sure because i mean no your doubt. toughness yeah. is now lower and if it's still five or more then you get to reroll wounds Yeah, I, I love Outriders. I, I think they're good. Um, they're, I think they're a deeper learning curve than a lot of units, and I see a lot of people misuse them. They do try to use them and then get frustrated and quit on them. And I also think that they're one of those units that you, they work better if you take two units of them, and they have to be of a decent size. So it's one of those things you either don't take them or you take a lot of them. And then when you do decide to take them, you kind of have to build the rest of your list around knowing that you're going to take them. I don't think that they're just a splash unit where they just work in any list. Like, they're not like Scorpius, where it's just like, duh, it's a Scorpius, it'll work in any list. Like, they're not like that. You actually have a plan and some tactical knowledge on how to use them and have a list that complements putting them in the list. And a good a good idea, Derek. You mentioned the rag grenades thing. You can also probably put a character on an outrider bike. Can you put you can put characters on outrider bikes, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So put a put one in there with that stasis shell thing, and then all of a sudden, a unit's more than likely going to be negative two to their toughness when you charge them. So if they're a toughness four unit, you're instant deathing things with just chainsaws. That'd be pretty. Well, uh, the. Yeah. the Stasis grenade is weapon skill and initiative. Oh shit! All right, well, <laughs> but it's still good. It's cool still thought. good because you're your minus weapon skill, minus initiative, and minus toughness. So Scott's yeah. definitely onto something. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely double down. Uh, one more quick question on that: How do you feel about an independent character on a bike with rad grenades and a tyrannic greatsword? What well, already inflicts instant death. You don't need to worry about the, what the toughness level is at. Well, no, but if you're charging, you know, a toughness eight, like, robot. Well, but you're still, yeah, I mean, I guess. You're just, you're not, you're making it where you wound on fours instead of fives, but all you have to do is get mm -hmm. one wound through to remove them anyway. I mean, unless you're charging, like, a unit. I'm just saying, like, as, like, how do you feel about that model where he's got a two-handed greatsword and grenades, <laughs> he's steering his bike with his knees... One hand has to be on the handlebars. <laughs> <laughs> He's like standing oh, on top of it, like, evil Knievel style. 
I just I didn't know where you're going with that because I'm like if they're a unit I'm like I don't know how many units of Thanatars I've seen. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. Like, I guess I guess in the one it would be beneficial to have both rad grenades and a tyrannic greatsword. Um, but no model wise, I, I'm I only get offended when I have. A weapon in each hand. So, like, when people do, I got a power fist and a parion blade, and I'm riding a bike. That's kind of lame. I don't really like that. I don't mind when they just have a single, even if it's a two-handed weapon, um, I don't mind that they have a two-handed weapon in one hand. I feel like you can get away with that a bike or, like, a horse or something because you're, like, using the momentum of the thing, and you're literally just making a forward slash, a forward and downward slash with, you know, the weapon, you don't really need two hands just to do that one motion repeatedly when you're like <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Anyway. We'll so ahead, Scott, I think Scott needs to go. Yes. You guys have a nice evening, and uh, we'll see you in a few short days, right? Like, we'll be recording in like five days, so we'll talk to you guys then. Take right. care. Yeah. Miss you already, Scott. Are you going, you're going to Michigan GT, right? Yes, Michigan GT, October 6th through the 8th. I'll be there. So fucking come up, kick me in the nuts, whatever. I'll be there. And I That's will uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> fucking bring it on. You better make it a good one. You better <laughs> make it a good one. <laughs> if you fuck All up, right, take Scott's care, job. guys. All right, take it easy. See yeah. I'll see you guys. Dude, Scott doesn't know how not smart it is to challenge somebody to Bukaki <laughs> over the the powerful internet. Like, <laughs> straight up, well, I don't open invitation to Rochambeau. You have to be you have to be a dumb fuck to walk up and fucking kick Scott in the nuts because it would go bad for you. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I don't know, but imagine the person that would have the balls to do that. <laughs> I, no, I mean, if his balls are that big, it needs well, a target. I mean. I'm not worried about Scott handling it himself, but also our entire game club would be there. So it's not like you're going to just be fighting Scott. You're gonna, it's going to be like the total rugby scrum of just dudes jumping on you to try to whip your ass. It would not be good. Worst, worst case scenario, we get some good stories out of it. <laughs> That's true. Hey, Ryan, real quick. Leviathan Dreadnought in front of me, Blood Angels. Red helmet or black helmet? Um, I'd do just a red helmet. Red helmet, it is done. Okay, what's the next round? Are we still recording, or did you, or did you pause it? Oh no, we're recording. Yeah, we're live. We're live. Okay. (laughs) It's like, why would you ask me this on air? Because I must know. (laughs) So for all you listeners out there doing your Blood Angel dreadnoughts, painting, painting along, red red helmets are in. Red helmets this season. <laughs> All right. So next up, we got uh, the Iron Wing Protocol. So this one, uh, it's a lot like uh, Armor Breakthrough, where so you get uh, all vehicles of the tank type uh, that are configured in squadrons increase their ballistic skill to five while they have two or more tanks in the squadron. Uh, when targeting enemy models, the shooting attacks at within twelve inches, well, twelve inches or less. Any infantry model with this right of war adds plus one to their to wound rolls when using pistol, rapid fire, and salvo weapons with strength five or less. 
and all vehicles with a tank type in this detachment using this right of war automatically ignore the first dangerous terrain test they fail and may add plus one to the distance move when they go flat out and dreadnoughts of any type included in this detachment have the fear and tank hunter special rules but uh, your limitations all infantry units must begin the game deployed in a transporting vehicle with a tank type at least half the units in the army must be vehicles with the tank type and should all the tanks in the force be destroyed then the enemy counts as having scored an additional secondary objective and you may not take a fortification or allied detachment my goodness what are you going to do with all those saved points for dozer blade <laughs> <laughs> So this is an extremely powerful right of war, but I also feel like it's one of the hardest rights of war to write a legal list for. And I'd, I'd say nine out of ten lists that I've been given that use this right of war are illegal. Um, because there's a few little key buzzwords in there and the, the way the drawbacks and things are worded that it's easy to miss what they're telling you. So it says tank unit, a squadron of tanks with three tanks in it, that is still a single unit. So it's pretty hard to write a list um, that meets these requirements because it says at least half the models in your army must be tank units. So the only place you can get tanks from are uh, your head support slot. There are no fast attack tanks that I'm aware of. Um, and then there are no troops tanks that I'm aware of, unless you were taking a different right of war, which then you wouldn't be taking this right of war. So that's, that's pointless. Um, there are no elites tanks, unless you are doing the same thing I just said before. And then for HQ, you can take a Damocles. Now you can take tanks as dedicated transports, but the problem is in order to get them as a dedicated transport you've obviously taken another unit that's not a tank so it just kind of you're just you're breaking even at that point right so why this becomes a problem is you're already starting off one in the hole because you have to take a character to unlock this right of war so say you take a praetor delegatus whatever you're taking you're already now you have a unit that's not a tank and now you have to take a tank to offset that so that's going to be either a damocles or one of your heavy support so then you're pretty much going to have to buy a dedicated transport that's a tank for every unit that you take. And if you want to include anything in your army that's not a tank or can't be put in a tank, then it, it just starts shrinking and shrinking. So, for example, you know, because it says you all your dreadnoughts gain tank hunter, a lot of people want to include dreadnoughts in the army. And then when they put a dreadnought in there, they also want to put that dreadnought in the drop pod. Well, the problem with that is now you have two units that aren't a tank because you have a Dreadnought and a Drop Pod, which are neither one of them are a tank, and they're both individual units. So now you're going to have... So basically, if you take a Dreadnought and a Drop Pod and the character to unlock the Right of War, you now have to fill out all three of your heavy support slots with tanks to offset that, and you're out of those. And if you take anything else that's not a tank that can't be put in a tank, you're going to have to start taking Damocleses to offset that. And it's just, you just run out of slots and points to feed into tanks a lot of the time. And it's kind of a mess. 
Yeah. God damn, that's a fucking mess. Like it's a I, really, really busy right of war. As somebody who writes lists all the time, Ryan, I'm glad you got to Break review down. this for everybody because that is not something I would have seen. I would have wrote you a legalist fuck Dark Angel <laughs> list. Yeah, it's it's pretty rough to write an army with this because I I mean because a lot what's what's really bad is that the dreadnought that takes advantage of tank hunter more than anything is the Leviathan. The problem right. is it's a ha- it's a heavy support and it and it really only works well with the dreadnought drop pod. So people take the Leviathan and a dreadnought drop pod. Well, now you're really screwing yourself because you have two units that aren't tanks. So now you're going to have to take two unit two tank units just to offset that. But you're also given up one of your heavy support slots to take said unit that you now have to take. So by just by taking a Leviathan and a drop pod, you now have to fill out your last two remaining heavy support slots with tanks, which you're probably going to do anyway, but then that like gets rid of all your way to take anything else, and then you're automatically going to have to take your Damocles to offset your HQ, so then you're you're done. Now, the one other place where you can get something that's a tank is Lord of War. your Lord of War slot, but the problem with that is they've removed the tank keyword from all Lord the Wars. Lords of War. So oh, that's another thing that was on Damn the cake. It. Thank you. Now, I would say 99.9% of people are not going to call you out on this or care. It's the same thing with, like, uh, Iron Hands, where Orth, like, right in Orth's unit entry, it specifically states you can put him in any model, or you can put him in any tank model, and it goes through tanks, and then it says, or super heavy tank. It says it right in his thing. But what's funny about that is obviously there's no such thing as a super heavy tank anymore. So it says in his entry he can be put placed in something that no longer exists. So, I mean, using common sense, pretty much anything that looks like a tank and acts like a tank, even though it's a Lord of War and it just says super heavy, it doesn't say tank anymore. I think if you wanted to count that as a tank, nobody's going to crucify you for that. For real. I think it's one of those rules as intended thing. Yeah, I would say any super heavy vehicle that's not a flyer or walker is totally a tank. Right. Right. Unless you won like so, best loyalist at Adepticon, then I'll call you out on it. <laughs> we'll, we'll find. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get that title strip so fast. <laughs> so don't hesitate to take this right so, of war. <laughs> so you. Anyway, if you if you want to take this right of war, which it is an extremely good right of war, um, there's a lot of neat things you can do with it. For example, um, because you're plus one to your to wound roll, um, if you're within 12 inches or in, uh, the unit that jumps out to me there that immediately jumped out to me when I first read that was sniper vets, because sniper vets wound on a flat roll of a four plus against anything that they shoot at with a toughness value anyway this isn't changing the strength of their gun or anything like that so it literally just adds to your role so because you're modifying the role it makes something that wounds on a set four wound on a set value of a three brutal that's good um so oh yeah that's extremely good and then it's it's a then also sniper vets like you you brought it up before you were think you were looking at uh, that heavy this isn't for this particular right of war this would work in any dark angels army 
But uh, um, this is another little trick that's kind of funny. So if you take sniper vets and you put the two guys in the in the squad that can take heavy weapons, if you give them heavy bolters on suspensor webs with the uh, the <laughs> yeah, acid rounds, the special rounds are strength you two. Get, you get a sense. Right. That works. Yes. Well, not only that, but the funny thing is you're rolling a random AP. So on a, like, say you're shooting a power armor, guys, if you, you have a basically a 50-50 shot of ignoring their armor. Because, you know, on a 1, 2, or 3, you do. On a 4, 5, or 6, you don't. But what's funny is, let's say you roll a 4, 5, or 6, and you don't ignore their armor based on your AP, you still have a sniper. So when you roll the wound, if you roll a 6, you're still ignoring their armor. So you're basically getting two chances. So you're, you're upping the percentage slightly of, essentially, you're getting two chances to ignore someone's armor. By combining sniper and the mutagenic rounds, and then plus one to your to wound rolls gets really funny when you're poisoned two up. No, because I believe in the rule book the to wound roll is one of the few. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe that. I think you're right. I think I think according to the rule book because we've went over this before with Magnus and stuff like that. Um, when you it's like what happens when you modify a roll. And you set it to a two plus or something, it ends up with either it automatically happens or it makes something impossible, which um, I don't like. I think a one should always be a failure, um, and that's how most people play it. And I'm hoping that when the new Heresy rulebook comes out, they put that stipulation in there. Yeah, they easily could. Because you run into this with. Uh, Night Lords as well with like Power Fist when you outnumber someone you get plus one to your to wound rolls well if you have a Power Fist and you're outnumbering them what happens does your Power Fist just auto wound like that kind of thing because in the in the rule book they used to have a section in 6th edition that said you know rolls of a 1 always fail and then it went away in 7th edition but as we've talked about many times on this show before Heresy is really based on 5th and 6th edition it's not wasn't ever written for 7th um, it probably, when they came out with 7th edition, they probably should have split off then instead of waiting until 8th, but they didn't. They just decided to, like, Retrofit. Halfway, half-ass patch it. Yeah, where it was, like, kind of this weird fucking hybrid of three editions, and we are where we are. So stuff like this comes up, and you just kind of have to use common sense when dealing with it. Gotcha. So you just got to kind of deal, roll, roll with it and don't be an ass, pretty much. Right. So if you roll a one, just say, uh, I didn't wound. What's the fucking matter? It's one wound. <laughs> <I'm> gonna... <laughs> <laughs> Dig it. So is that it? That's the two rights of war they get? That's it. That's, That's it. it. So, I mean, that. I feel pretty good about this whole, like, this whole Dark Angel spear. Like, I feel like... For one, if you're gonna jump in Dark Angels right now, after listening to this for whatever reason, like if you're if you're interested in Dark Angels, it only gets better from here. I mean, I haven't seen any case where they've taken stuff away. Like I, I haven't like, I, no no Legion has gotten worse with the new books coming out. So if you like the way they're at right now, just hold your fucking breath because it's gonna get even better. I'm sure they still got different. Uh, different rights of war to come out. They still don't even have special characters or special, uh, uh, special Legion specific units. So 
There's a lot of stuff in the pipeline, and that's scheduled for book eight, right? That's uh, Yeah, book eight's yeah. supposed to be Angels. Yeah, it's supposed to be Angelus. So book eight, Angelus. So that's supposed to have the Dark Angels rules inside of it. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think that's scheduled to come out until later of next year, 2018. So you've got a while, but I think you can definitely get by right now with the with the uh, um, with what you have. Uh, you can also probably put together a Deathwing army if you wanted to, and because you know they're going to get rules eventually under like a Pride of the Legion kind of thing. Uh, there, there's there's a ton of things that you can do with Dark Angels right now, in it even though they don't have the uh, the 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 special rules to back it up, but. A lot of cool stuff already out. So, if you're if you're on the fence on whether or not to play Dark Angels, it's a solid army to pick. Definitely, definitely a powerful army. Like Ryan said, I, you know, it's probably one of the top tier armies you can go with if you're a, you know, competitive player. Or, you know, you you like to beat face. Yeah, but I mean, more importantly, it's not really that necessarily that it's like, oh, I can just build something that beats everybody's face. It's just that it it's nice that it it works together. Like their, their rights of war really complement their war gear and really complement their Legion things. And it like really makes you feel like they excel at that type of warfare. Yeah. And I, I so it's not like, it's not like a letdown, like other Legion rights of war where it's like this right of war is supposed to symbolize what my Legion's good at. But then the right of war is just horrible. And it's like, well, apparently my Legion's good at losing every game because <laughs> you can't win with the. I'm looking at you. Deus Saros. You stupid right of war. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, guys, and and definitely, Ryan, I guess if you were to put this on, like, a rank of, like, is this a good army to start Horus Heresy with, like, would you put it up there in one of the top tiers as far as, like, one of the easier armies to start out with just because it's, you're not going to get your ass handed to you a lot because it's pretty... Um, I don't think, here's the problem with, putting it in the top tier like what you're saying uh-huh it's not if you want if you want to run these rights of war you're going to need um some more like financially it's going to cost more if you want to run like Ravenwing because you're gonna have to go out and buy expensive jet bikes and expensive outrider bikes absolutely so i, I wouldn't say that so it's and then also you, none of your guys can start in anything other than flyers. So then you're immediately, if you want to run, like if you want to buy a calf box and run infantry, you're immediately locked into buying Charybdises, Anviluses, or uh, Storm Eagles. So which are all expensive Forge World kits. So I don't think financially we do an Iron Wing list because then you could get some of the GW plastic, you know, you could get a calf box and then buy the GW plastic rhinos to, to offset everything and then just get some predators, whether you want, wanted to go Demios or the Mars pattern, either way. So you could start there as a new player. But it's one of those things that they're not, because they don't have specialty units and don't have special characters and a lot of people want that, I wouldn't discourage a new player, but I would just, you know, inform them of the pitfalls I'm informing you guys and kind of explain and just make sure they're aware that they're going to have to wait a year to get their special stuff because that's the other thing like i'm kind of been stuck in that trap from the beginning with my blood angels um i just have a bunch of weird stuff to build an army out of because i'm afraid to buy a whole lot of like one thing 
Yeah. Because I don't know what they're going to get special unit-wise. Like, I don't want to go out and buy 50 Assault Marines and paint up 50 Assault Marines to run Day of Revelations right now because Day of Revelations Rite of Wars is any jump infantry unit. It doesn't say Assault Marines. So what if or what if somebody else allows you to unlock whatever their Legion-specific jump unit is and I like those guys better than Assault Marines and then I don't want to play these 50 Assault Marines anymore? That kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's something to be wary about, for sure. So, yeah. So, you know, you may run out and buy, like you said, you, you might buy a bunch of Terminators or whatever to do this Deathwing army and then they get some kind of really cool Legion-specific Terminator that's armed with some type of unique war gear that you now have that you're going to run instead of normal cataphracty or whatever. And then, yeah, you still have these models and they're not necessarily like you, you can still run them, but it's like, are you going to want to run them? Right. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, I, I mean, if you do want to do them right now, um, I would just try to keep it as, as basic as possible or run the, the, one of the because the, the current rights of war that are out no matter what they come out with as far as special unit rise especially like raven wing like it specifically says in the raven wing right of war that you have to take jet bikes and you have to take the outriders of your troops and could take nothing else so if you wanted to go raven wing and just go ham and buy a bunch of fucking jet bikes and planes nothing that's going to come out later is going to change that you're still going to need a bunch of jet bikes and planes so you, you just have to kind of look at it from that perspective. For sure. For sure. And there's a lot of, I mean, you you do not necessarily have to go after these Rod of War. Uh, and, like, if you just touch base on some of the fluff out there, just go read some books, you will find multiple different factions of the Legion that you want to start, I'm sure. Yeah. And with the yeah. generic Rights of War out now, I don't think you could, like, find a kind of play style with them that you couldn't kind of fit in with one of those. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you have the war gear to back you up from the dark angels for real. Right. So if you want to go dark angels now and you don't want to wait, I would definitely build one of these two rights of war and sticks solely to those. I wouldn't try to use any of the generics and buy a bunch of shit because my guess is, you know, when they come out with their special units and special characters, you know, uh, you you probably are going to want to change some things around, and those are going to be the first things you're going to end up taking out of your list. And then you're going to have a you've spent all this because heresy is expensive, and I try to take care of new guys and make sure that they don't, you know, purchase a bunch of shit they're going to be regretful about later. I don't, I don't want that to happen. I want people to be happy with their purchases. We talk about this all the time on here. That's why I, you know, I try to do my the best I can with lists and advice and all that because I. It's not just like I'm throwing shit out there. Like I feel like if people are going to actually spend money based on my advice, I don't want to give them bad advice. Yeah. Ryan is protecting your wallet, people. Protecting it like it's his own. <laughs> so, rock and roll. So, I guess, I mean, that that should be it for Dark Angels. That's all we have for Dark Angels. Pretty solid. Pretty solid, guys. If you have some remarks or questions or anything like that, don't hesitate to find us on Facebook. We're Radio Free Istvan on Facebook. Uh, if you want to shoot us an email, it's Michael at Warhammer30k.com, Ryan at Warhammer30k.com, Derek at Warhammer30k.com, or Scott at Warhammer30k.com. 
Uh, if you have any questions for us, feel free to reach out in email, or if you want to call us, you can call us at 209-RFI-30K0. And that is going to be on our Facebook. You'll see it in our picture there. Um, speaking of people who call in, we do have some voicemails that we do need to go over. Oh, sweet. I'd forgotten about those. Yeah, we, we, we always got voicemails, man. So we do have voicemails that we need to go ahead and listen to. Um, I feel like, like I said, I feel like the people that are listening to this podcast right now are possibly new people. So if you're a new person, uh, this is a segment of the show where we take those voicemails that you called in for or called in with on our uh, on our Facebook page. You know, when you call in, we play these voicemails live on the air uh, for you guys to listen to. So let me go ahead and check here. So. I'm going to play this one for you right now. Hey guys, it's Josh. Back in old uh, Fayetteville, telling Scott we missed that beautiful motherfucker's face and his redneck sense of humor. Not really an industrial accident per se, but yesterday I was getting a vasectomy. I had two big swarthy men slicing on my nuts. <laughs> Very sharp razors. And I'm listening to episode 70, 71, I second numbers, and laughing my ass off as you guys are literally cutting my dick, my nuts open. So, so I want to say, keep it up, stay classy, and fuck owlbears. Did you <laughs> fucking hear that? <laughs> what the fuck was going on? Yeah. He was getting a vasectomy while listening to RFI. Was it, okay, I thought he was getting a vasectomy while calling RFI. Oh, oh, is that what happened? Did I miss that? No, he said he was laughing his ass off listening I don't to know. anyone. Okay, I misunderstood that then. That, I thought something very different was going on. I thought I just in my heart, okay, like <laughs> think about like <laughs> this dude had us in his ears while somebody else was handling his junk. Like that was while somebody was blade okay, deep. You into, have to call back in and tell us because I know there's no way he didn't imagine one of our faces on the guy who's touching his piece. So his we didn't pipe. know who it was. I have to know. It was getting a vasectomy. Like, you, like you need to know. Oh, you, like if it was a girl doing his vasectomy. Is that what you're asking? Like, no, 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 no. no. Like, he had which, to have pictured one of the one guys. Of our oh. Was he imagining on the guy who's holding his nuts? Fair enough. I also want to know if that voicemail was left while he was getting his nuts chopped. <laughs> like that's a that dude sounded so young. Question. Yeah, that guy sounded young. Why is he getting a vasectomy? How many kids has that dude popped out already? Because they don't let you. They don't just let you. Huh? Because he's smart. Because he's smart. <laughs> he's like, no, nah, I'm 18. I'm just nipping this shit in the bud. <laughs> yeah. Nearly literally. Wow. I. uh... We got some dedicated listeners. <laughs> God bless it. God bless. It. I hope that doctor asked what he was laughing at. <laughs> like, Sir, you're gonna have to stop laughing. You're making this a little more difficult than it needs to be. <laughs> Every time you laugh, they move. <laughs> okay. Next voicemail. Oh, by the way, if you're a new listener, that's the kind of shit we get in. By the way, <laughs> that's all the time. That's kind of standard. Not surprised. I'm so, I'm so sad fucking Scott didn't have, like, wasn't here to listen to that because, like, he would have had the best commentary. <laughs> we might replay that for him. He, uh, he, li- well, he'll, he listens to the show, so I'm sure if he has a comment, he'll say it during uh, uh, the opening part of next week. Okay. 
Fair enough. And that guy knew Scott, too, so god damn it. All right. My question is this. How many Avenger Strike Fighters has Ford Rolls started selling here in the last six months to a year? Long lines of, well, here's your list. It's really good, but it's slightly better, and I'm going to put an Avenger Fighter in it. You don't want one? Here's two, buddy. And now Ford Rolls like, why the fuck are we selling so many of these damn things out lately? And they were listening, man. Now we got so many injured out there. Fire Raptors are still on the rebound. Storm Eagles are okay. I got one old lives. That guy got Storm Eagles. But I didn't know the difference because I wasn't paying attention. But you know, whatever. But yeah, not one but two. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm gonna let you guys go. I'm. I'm heading home. I'm going to fuck the crap. <laughs> fuck yes. Yeah. So uh, Ryan's got. <laughs> personal investment he actually uh was part of the original crew that helped design the avenger strike fighter and so he gets some royalties for each one that sells and he's just trying to put his dog through dog school and uh yeah let's still quit biting people and being an ass (laughs) (laughs) so he puts uh two in every list to to up the value of the of the avenger so everyone that gets sold i will Say, uh, John Stanford used my Blood Angel army uh-huh. this weekend. He, he just borrowed my army and used my Blood Angels. And that was the the one of the two comments that he made was, not going to lie, the Avenger's a hell of a flyer. <laughs> so, <laughs> in my in my 3,000-point Blood Angel list, there's three of them in there. Oh, so he got, to, he got to play the, the triple Avenger list. Yeah. Um, and I, I, think, I think he approved. Yeah, uh, I've had my ass, like, we, we've talked about this before in a previous episode where, you know, I've known that the Avengers Strike Fighter was good, and uh, Jay, one of our local guys and also a listener, he's listening right now, uh, it was the first time he ever played me with all three of them, and <laughs> I was like, well, this isn't so, oh my god, everybody's dead. <laughs> like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, there's just no way... <laughs> There's just no fucking way to prepare for this many Avengers coming at you at all sides. It was so fucking good. It's so powerful of a unit. Like, uh, and if you were to put a Fire Raptor in there, I don't know how it would do anything. But you'd just be done. It's fucking brutal. Well, it's it's very it's very good. It's very versatile, and it doesn't. It's it has a, a repeat hitting power. It does the, it it does. Virtually the same job as a lightning. It's not quite as good, but once you come in and dump the two Krakens and shoot the two tank hunting last cannons on it, you know, at whatever your main target was to try to take out, for future turns, you still have two individual last cannons and you still have that Avenger Bolt cannon and it's all still tank hunter for the remainder of the game. Yep. So I think it combines the best elements of that Alpha Strike plane to come in and kill. You know, if you have, especially if you have two of them, because if you have two of them, you're still shooting the four Krakens, just like one Lightning. Um, but then you're stacking four individual tank hunting last cannons on top of that. Um, so you're getting all that alpha strike potential, but then they still can't ignore it. It's not like a Lightning comes in and blows up the Typhon or kills our Spartan and it just flies around and shoots a last cannon shot every turn and people ignore it. You cannot ignore Avenger Strike Fighters. Fuck no! You like, cannot. You, I mean, you cannot. There will. There will. Yeah. You cannot they're, they're ignore that Avenger assault cannon. Every turn. Yeah. 
it's it's good and it's very versatile you can you can kill lots of light and medium armor with it um and then with the especially when you throw in the last cannons on top of it and two individual tank hunting last cannons are nothing to laugh at i mean you can still knock out land raiders knock out heavier armor with those um as well so yeah that's a really really solid flyer it is the like the most like solid testament to the a10 like even when they wanted to retire it, they fucking were like, mm, we're going to go ahead and extend that retirement date. Like we're, we're going to go ahead and, and, and hang on to it for a little bit longer. Like it's just, yeah, it's a fucking old model, but God damn, it's still good. <laughs> like <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, but that's going to be it for voicemails. That's all we got there. Uh, I guess we're going to go ahead and go into an email that we got. Okay, so this email comes from Brandon. He says, starting to 30K list to start a local community. He says, hey, guys, I wasn't 100% sure where to send lists in, so I figured it was to email you supplied was to the emails you supplied on Facebook. I'm a 40K player who's become more and more interested in 30K over the last few months. Mostly because of finding about your guys' podcast while moving and needing something to listen to. Rock the fuck on, dude. Hopefully you're listening right now. Oh, yeah. Those big old balls on you. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you're handsome as fuck, too. (laughs) I've listened to your I Have a Couth Box show and was planning to start an army. But no one one was around here in West Michigan plays, as far as I know. I've tried to convince people, but most of my 40K buddies are convinced it's going to be too expensive or have a bad taste in their mouth from 7th edition 40K. What? Okay, whatever. I figure if I start two armies and let someone else use my other, it would probably be a good way to hook people in, especially when I tell them I got the whole thing for less than one of their 40K armies. Even if I end up not liking the game, and I've watched a lot of bat reps, etc., so I would doubt it at this point, I can use all the stuff in my 40K games anyway for the most part. I was going to use both the Drop Assault list and the Pride of the Legion list from my I Have a Calf box to create varied plate styles. Originally, I was planning on making a Loyalist Legion and a Traitor Legion to get some varied plate styles, but someone suggested that I consider doing either Sons of Horus, Death Guard, World Eaters, or Emperor's Children as both a Loyalist and a Traitor Force, and replay is Demand 3. I like all these legions, but perhaps Death Guard is the most, but perhaps Death Guard the most. I would think Death Guard play more toward the Pride of the Legion's playstyle, but would I get mileage out of the Charybdis flyers and pods later? Would another Legion work better for this? Given the scenario, would you add anything to the list to tailor them a bit, a little bit to their Legion, or leave them as it is? Thanks for your help and your podcast, guys. Well, God dang, dude. That sounds exactly like Samuel Pager is trying to do, and exactly what Ryan did. He just kind of build up a couple armies and just let people play them. That's actually how Chris got us into Well, that, that's how I... Yeah, that's uh, that's how I started my community. I everybody played 40k. I just bought a bunch of 30k shit and painted up a 30k army, and then just used it to play 40k, and then just kept slowly working on them, saying, "Hey, try this, try this, try this," and got people to try it. And once they tried it, that you know they they got hooked on it, and that's pretty much all our game club exclusively plays now. Just and I grew it from just me. Yeah, I grew it from just me to. I mean, we have, you know, roughly 20 regulars that show okay. up and, and play every other weekend in, in my basement. And then I just had some little, you know, pissant 
two round event that we got people from six states to come to. So, and you could do it too. <laughs> yep, you can definitely do it too. So, um, so yeah, I mean, also the people that like we've even talked about on this episode already. Like, I don't really understand the I don't want to play Heresy because of Seventh Edition. Like, Heresy was never Seventh Edition; it just wasn't. It's totally two different things. Um, I hope that the Forge World guys, when they come out with the rulebook, are smart enough to rebrand it like First Edition Heresy. And I would really like to see all other podcasts and everything start referring to it exclusively as First Edition Heresy. I would I would like to totally discard the words Seventh Edition and Heresy in all the same sentences. I wish people would quit using those terms together because they were never the same thing. Um, like we just talked about, if you read book one, it specifically states that Horus Heresy is an expansion of fifth edition. It says it right in book one, because um, that's what it was originally designed for. Then the game moved to sixth. They adapted it, um, and but six wasn't a huge departure because, you know, only troops still scored, you know, things like that. Were, were, you know, there was no formations, all that. When they went to seventh, Seventh was such a big departure with the addition of formations. Um, you know, everything became scoring at that point. Like, troops and shit didn't matter. Like, basically all the gripes that everybody had about Seventh, Heresy didn't adopt any of that. It never adopted any of that. It basically stayed Sixth Edition. The, it, it really only adopted things like the vehicle damage table. You know, just like the little, the the, what would you call that? Like it's it's not the main it's not the core core rules it's like the little trimmings around the core core rules I guess just like interactions between models yeah like that but I mean it's just one of those things like I've I've always felt like that heresy was its own game it, it it's really almost always been its own direction that's why I'm happy that it's finally split off from 40k and it's a totally different thing because it got really frustrating for me as a heresy player when they would release this 40k shit like death from the skies or the new space marine psychic powers. And for whatever reason, there was a, a decent size. It wasn't the majority, but it was a decent size segment of the community would be like, well, do we use this now? Like, I want to use this now. And it's like, no, that's obviously not heresy. That's obviously for 40k. It says 40k on the thing. And then it starts this argument and starts dividing the community. And it's like, man, like, we don't need any of this crap. I don't want this 40K stuff. I don't play 40K. That's a totally different design team. When they write these rules for this 40K stuff, they're not thinking about the 30K community. It's not their job to think about the 30K community. So it, it's just not in their best interest at heart to make 30K a good game because they're not thinking of it. They're designing the rules for their own game. And I've always, I always thought that that was a goofy setup like why would you have this other design team that has nothing to do with heresy you know setting the core rules for a game that they don't even fucking think about when they're writing the rules that never made any sense right so i i i think that this is a good thing i wish that they would have had the rule book out a little sooner than they have it out now. It kind of sucks that we have this big lull, and it's kind of like a holding pattern. I mean, for veterans like us, it doesn't really matter, but if you're a new player looking in, it kind of looks like a shit show because it is. 
you know, if, if you're wanting to get into the game, it's like, well, what do I need? Well, you need a rule book that doesn't exist right now. Well, how are you playing the game? Well, we're just playing it off this old rule book that used to exist, but now doesn't exist. And we don't know whether to use the FAQ or not because the FAQ was written by the 40K people that then applied it to 7th edition 40K, but then for whatever reason got pushed on to heresy guys. But now that they're out of the picture and their book doesn't exist anymore, do we use the FAQ? I don't know. Like, it's just weird. You're, like, in this weird state of fucking limbo. Yeah. So I'm hoping that with the relaunch of the rulebook that it clears up shit, like, multi-bombing once and for all. I hope that, you know, it it either does or it doesn't adjust the psychic powers like invisibility. But at least, like, because it's written by the fucking Forge World design team, we have answers to those questions that we know didn't come from a design team that wasn't thinking about heresy when they wrote the the answers. Right. If that makes any sense. Absolutely. No, it makes no so, sense. Yeah. So I just, I just want to put this whole split from heresy and set like it was this whole fucking year is kind of sucked for heresy just because of that. Like, I just want to play the game and not fucking argue with people on the internet about shit. Um, every time I get to a table and start playing a game, all that shit fades away to the background. You don't even worry about think about it. You're just worried about having a fun game, having fun. This event that we had this weekend, like I said, we had people from six states playing whatever. Um, nobody was thinking about that shit or cared about that shit. Everybody was just there to have fun and roll dice. You know what I mean? And that's what it needs to get back to. So I can't wait for this new rule book to get out. Um, and I just went on this big rant because I just I want people that currently play heresy when you try to get a new player into the game. If don't bring up seventh edition, don't say anything about seventh edition. If they bring up seventh edition, tell them that heresy's never been like explain to them like I just explained, you know, to whoever's listening right now. You know, basically use points of what I just said because that's the truth. I mean, I, I'm not making bullshit up here. I mean, you can go back and listen to the show from the very beginning, and I've been a huge advocate of Heresy being totally different from 40K, them being totally different games, and I even wrote an email into the Eye of Horus podcast before I ever even recorded this podcast that I'm sure you could go back and find on the Eye of Horus because Michael and Tim read it out loud. It was at the exact same time, it was the week after they had released the Space Marine Psychic Powers for 40K, and they were talking about using them in heresy, and I wrote this big email. I addressed it to Alan Bly, telling Alan Bly that I feel like heresy at this point needs its own rule set, that you need to shit or get off the pot and just write your own rules because you can't continue to let these uh, this other design team dictate the direction of your game and your vision. So this is something I've been preaching for a long time. It's nothing new. Um, but definitely when you're trying to sell the game, you need to distance it from 40K because it's not 40K. It's never been 40K. And the reason that a lot of people that I love Heresy and that most of the people I talk to love Heresy is because it's different from 40K. And you don't deal with a lot of the bullshit that's in 40K. Absolutely. Well said, Ryan. So, anyway, after that, like, 35-minute, uh, 
chit chat that had nothing really to do with this question, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just rewind through uh, that, uh, get your notepad out, take some notes, because that's definitely going to be some stuff to bring up when you're getting people into it. <laughs> we'll we'll cut you yeah. out a soundbite that you can put on a keychain and any film somebody says seventh edition. Well, there's an there's an older <laughs> episode too where somebody wrote in a Facebook message that said, "Hey, I'm trying to convince my friend to play Heresy, but he he just thinks it's 40k. Why why would he play this? You know, if he's already playing 40k, why why would he play Heresy?" And I wrote down the top ten differences between 40k and Heresy, so you can go back and find that too if you want. That's that's in an older episode and it's also in our facebook messages you could i could scroll back through the messages and find it i'm sure but anyway um that should be on a shirt he basically he's basically saying that uh what did he say here he has a calc box he listened to the episode so he's asking um about death guard right is that what he said i like these legions but death guard the most so he's asking if he should go Pride of the Legion or drop. I actually think Death Guard is one of the better drop armies in the game. Um, because all their flamers get shred for free with that shredding ammo, um, and like Mortarian has infinite Phosphex bombs, and they're both their specialty units, both the Death or the Grave Wardens and the Death Shroud have short range weapons. All and they're also very good in assault. All of that stuff lends it well to, it lends itself well to drop armies. So I actually think Death Guard do drop armies better than, you know, seventy five percent of the legions out there. Wow. So Death Guard drop assault, <laughs> drop pot army. I, yeah. I guess, yeah. Well, I mean, well, and. That, and and there's nothing stopping you from going Pride of the Legion and doing Drop Pods at the same time. I've, I've written several lists on this show where you take Pride of the Legion to get all Vets and Terminators, and then you just buy a shitload of Anviluses, either as dedicated transports for things or as fast attack, and then you throw in a Charybdis or two and some Flyers, and you can have an entire Dreadclaw army just like my Black Shields are without actually using a Rite of War. Yeah. It'd be a fucking dope army, too. And pretty um, brutal when so you yeah. hop out and fucking hop back in. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think it. I think they would work extremely well as a uh, drop army. But they'd work well as a Pride of the Legion army as well. I mean, you can go either way with it. But if you want to do a drop army, they, they'll work fine with it. Fuck I, yeah. I do love his idea of uh, doing, like, an Isvan theme for uh, having two forces of the same legion. I think it'd be a great way to kind of boost your legion up while still having uh, technically two armies to kind of teach some people to play with. Yeah, especially in the Death yeah. Guard sense, because you could have a Death Guard army, you could have the ones that were on the on Istvan whenever they got virus bombs, so you can have like a really defensive, like almost reaping force well, if you really he, wanted to go with it. Well, he could... He could use the pri- if he's wanting to go because if he's wanting just to use the calf box episodes and just buy two calf boxes and then buy the stuff to make both armies, you could do the ground forces as the pride of the legion death guard and then do the forces that come down and try to kill them as the orbital assault death guard. Yeah, for sure. That's exactly what I was thinking. And I mean thematically, I because think that'd, be, in- that'd be like the most striking thing to a forty k player is to 
see, you know, this legion versus the same legion. Like, brother on brother. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe. I mean, and, and then you could also, in the ground force, you could throw in Crixus Mortiger to make him, you know, actual loyalist. And then if you read the fluff of Isvan 3, and then you listen, and you also uh, read or listen to book three of the actual novel series, the Death Guard did do that. They only fought themselves because they were off. There wasn't any Death Guard in the Coral City. They were all off defending this giant trench line that was away from the main uh, battle group, and Mortarian refused to allow any other Legion the right to kill his own guys. He wanted to do it himself. So when the Death Guard landed with under the lead of Mortarian, it was basically, like you're saying, it was full-on Death Guard versus Death Guard. They were the two that fought each other. Fuck yeah. I'm trying to look at section leader Kresos Mortarg. There's not a lot of great about him. <laughs> what did you say? I said there's not, there's not a lot of great about him. Except that he comes with the second most powerful psychic power in the game automatically and you don't have to roll for it. Biomancy out the gate. Endurance. No. Oh, endurance. He gets endurance. Endurance. He straight gets endurance. So, I mean, unless you think that a, you know, 10-man multi-melta squad that has relentless and can move and fire and also has 4 plus feel no pain sucks, I guess don't take him. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for selling that to me, Ryan. <laughs> With his mastery level <laughs> or, one. Oh, I man, it really sucks that these ten Volcat Culverans can walk around and shoot you on the move and also have four feel no pain. Whatever <laughs> will I do with this guy? So reaping it is. <laughs> Just load up on heavy yeah. weapons. So, anyway. So, yeah. Death Guard will be well, a great choice. Me, so, add anything to the list, tailor them. Given the scenario. Uh, I would tailor... So, he's asking... Um, if he just tells me which legions he wants to uh, settle with, I'll adopt. I'll adapt those. Because when I wrote those lists for that, the Calfbox stuff, it was literally just to be as generic as I could to cover all legions. Um, if if he actually says I want to do this specific legion, um, I can tailor it, you know, for that legion if that's what he wants. He can always write in, and I would do that for him. Or he can hit me up on Facebook Messenger, and we can just do it over Facebook Messenger. Badass. And just because you're taking the uh, the initiative to start your own force and everything like that, I have a Death Guard Dreadnought I will send you, a Contemptor Dreadnought, with the Blood and Skulls Industry Cortis legs that I will send oh, you. Oh, that's pretty badass. That's so, a cool model. I just built one. Yeah. That's how my Black Shield one is put together. I used the Death Guard torso and the Cortis legs. So if you write in and send me your address, I will send that out for you. Because you're taking the initiative. Or Facebook. Or Facebook. You can Facebook Messenger, too. Yeah. So, I will get that sent out. Nice. So, that's it for that, huh? That's it. All right. Next guy on the list. Uh, just so you all know, the classification of this email is unclassified. Uh, <laughs> so, this comes from our buddy, Jash. Josh says, I have a list request. 2,500-point Imperial Fist. I wanted to theme a list that represent Captain Tyr, who beamed aboard the Contrador to kill Perturabo. I know, I know. My like to include list has fortifications and last cannons, 
It's the part of me that doesn't want to use a Spartan and yet be able to kill one. It is 30k after all. I don't particularly care for Stone Gauntlet either. I'm not opposed to running Dorn once he comes out. Just as long as he doesn't get the stick up the butt, kill him in pose. He did straight up slay Alpharius like a boss. I guess I want, some would say, I guess I want something that I can play in regular play and Zimmortalis, but most importantly, look cool as shit. Thanks, Josh. What I want to include, 10 Cataphracty, mixes to have different initiative step wounds and be a take all comers to combat squad as needed and teleport strike. Uh, things he has, also wants is 10 Storm Shields and 2 Heavy Flamers or Assault Cannons for Lightning Claws for Chain Fist, 1 Leviathan SD Weapons. I don't know what SD Weapons is. Uh, one Mortis Contemptor, ten Breachers, two Power Axes, one Thunder Hammer, ten Last Cannons, and a Fortification to benefit from Tank Hunters. So those are the things he wants to take. Uh, he has access to the Damocles, the Crimson Fist, Praetors, Consuls, Apothecaries, etc., all kinds. Have tons of vets, tons of Marines, etc., vets, tax, lots of configurations, five Auto Cannons, upgrades, a bunch of Heavy Bolters and Missile Launchers. Uh, he's got a Fire Raptor, Predator with con Conversion Beam or Last Cannon. Uh, or last, I guess, yeah, the Predator that has a twin last cannon. Uh, 20 Tartaros, 3 Rhinos, uh, 3 regular Dreadnoughts, 5 Sisters of Silence, 3 regular Pods. I don't have any Forge World Pods, even though I know y'all are fans of the Cryptuses. Uh, Land Raider Phobos, 1 over under last cannons on the side. So, those are what he has access to. What'd you do for him, Ryan? What'd you do? Um, so, I wrote him a list. I tried to build a guy. I don't remember what tier was armed with. I know he was in Terminator armor, but I couldn't remember his armament. So I just built kind of like a stand in Praetor. If he wants to go back uh, and listen, re-listen to the Crimson Fist or no, I just change this guy's war gear to whatever tier had. Um, but I armed him with a, uh, so it's a Praetor in Terminator armor. With uh, Vigil Pattern, Storm Shield, Chain Fist, Digital Lasers, and the Deep Strike Upgrade. Um, then I took 10 Cataphracty Terminators. Um, the Sergeant has a combi weapon, and 7 of the normal guys have combi weapons. You can make these plasmas or meltas, um, or a mix. Um, I, that's why I just left them combi weapon. You can kind of choose. I gave 5 of them Lightning Claws, and 4 of them Chain Fist. And then the last two guys, I, uh, for their shooting weapon, I gave them assault cannons. And then I bought the uh, teleport upgrade for them. And then the sergeant also has a power fist. So I know I kind of read the war gear screw, so let's go back to the war gear one time. So you got the sergeant with power fist, five guys with lightning claws, four guys with chain fists. That's the close combat weapon. Then on the shooting side, the sergeant has a combi weapon, seven normal guys have a combi weapon, and two guys have assault cannons. So that's that. Then for this is a pride of the Legion list, by the way. Uh, so that that's a troop choice. So for the second troop choice, I took uh, 10 veterans. Um, two of the 10 guys have combi meltas. Um, the sergeant has artificer armor and power weapon. You can make that whatever power weapon you want. And they are in a rhino with a multi melta. For the third troop's choice, I took an identical squad to that. Uh, no, no different. Um, 
for the, what is that, one, two, fourth and final troop choice, I took a 10-man breacher team. Uh, two of the breachers have melta guns. Um, the sergeant has artificer armor and thunder hammer, and then the entire squad has melta bombs. And they are in a land raider Phobos, which is the when he was talking about the one with the vertical right. blast cannons. I'm guessing he's talking about a Mark II B Phobos. Yeah, so that's that what sounds like. What is. And it has a dozer blade and armored ceramite. Um, for elites, I took a contemptor mortis with two carries assault cannons, which he said he wanted in the list. And then for heavy support, I took um, 10 heavy support marines, all with LAS cannons. The sergeant has artificer armor and augury scanner. And they took the hardened armor upgrade. And finally, for a fortification, I took a void shield generator with three void shields. So I think I got everything you wanted in here. I got this uh, Terminator Praetor that should be tier. The 10 Terminators with the assault cannons in there. Um... He said he wanted to. I got. I didn't put storm shields on the terminators because I was confused at what he wanted because he was saying he wanted these shooting weapons, but he also wanted storm shields, and the storm shields replaced the shooting. So I just went with cataphracty, which have a four up save, which is pretty close to the shield, and then gave them the shooting weapons to try to do both for him. Um, I was able to fit the breachers in because he said he wanted breachers. Um, I put them in the land raider already owned. I put the contemptor mortis in here that he wanted, and I put the the uh, big heavy support squad with the fortification. So if, so that's this list, and it's 2,500 points. Um, I think this is a, a solid list and will work well for him. You're going to deep strike the Terminators with that uh, Praetor in. You know, the veterans drive across the board and the Rhinos, uh, along with the Phobos. The Contemptor's kind of going to be your midfield unit, and then you're obviously going to keep your heavy support guys in your Void Shield and your backfield. And then... Um, he wants a boarding army. I think the very first list we ever went over with me on the show, which is like all the way back in episode eight or nine, just find the first one with me on it. Just listen to the first couple of seconds, and Michael introduced me as the new guy on the show. I think the very first list I ever went over was an Imperial Fist boarding list to represent the that battle. Yeah, and if y'all are for those of y'all that are listening and don't know who Captain Tier is. Uh, he's the guy that they sent to go kill Perturabo with 53 Terminators. He made it to Perturabo, and Perturabo hit him with Forge Breaker. <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> and left him to bleed out on the deck. Well, but it doesn't say he died. He, well, he set out. He set. He set a Terminator. Uh, he set down a uh, homing beacon for reinforcements to be teleported aboard. His job was just to find Perturabo, and then he was supposed to set up a teleport homer, and then the rest of the like murder murder cadre and the fuck team were supposed to show up the fuck and finish team. the job. Yeah. And he showed up and placed the transponder and then at the exact same time the call through Dorn to return to Earth came through and they had to break off the engagement and they kind of abandon him to his fate. And he just decided to go it alone because there was no back out of the ship at that point. So he tried to complete the the mission that he knew he couldn't complete and basically take Perturabo on without any reinforcements and they all died to a man. Yep. Didn't work too well. If I remember I think correctly... that's in the Crimson Fist novel. Yeah, it, it doesn't exactly say that he died if I remember correctly. He's dead. He bled out. He was bleeding out on the deck and like 
Perturabo was like, yeah, he's dead. Walk away. And then, like, right at the last minute, his eye opens, and then the it fades to black. <laughs> I'm just playing. He's dead. <laughs> but yeah, he's a bad dude. It's a cool. It's a cool list idea. It's a definitely a cool force idea. Just show the fuck up yeah. with Terminators out the ass. Um, also, we we were hoping Scott could stick around to us at this point, but we're pretty sure Scott knows this guy from the army. So maybe Scott can comment on that at the beginning of next episode if he knows Josh. Because I we I brought up that who wrote in the email um, because he had like his rank and stuff in the email, and I was read you know asking Scott about it, and he goes, "I know that guy." So Scott will have to comment on that at the beginning of the next episode. <laughs> yes, he did. But anyway, Josh, thanks for your service. And um, if this list doesn't do it for you or I fuck something up, um, let us know and I'll redo it or whatever. But definitely go back and check out that list that I wrote for you know a long time ago. Keep in mind that was pre the current Red Book. So the points on a lot of those things have actually gotten cheaper. So you should actually be able to build that list exactly as it is, but actually have points left over to put more stuff in it because it, it was before they came out with the new Red Book where they dropped the points on a lot of things. Fuck yeah. So it just get better. Yeah. Rock and roll. Thank you for your service, Mr. Jash. Appreciate you. Yeah. All right, so the next list that you got written for us comes from Tim over at the Eye of Horse podcast, who we solidly made fun of at the beginning of the episode. Um, and he actually wrote yeah. us a 2,000-point loyalist Sons of Horus narrative Adepticon list. So I don't know if there's still skunk works going on, but I feel like if there was, we just completely ruined it by me saying that. So there's not they he does this all the time. Oh, it's secret and then they on the very next episode they've already they've blown their own secret and they talk about all their shit. Yeah. That's how it goes. Yeah. So I feel like they're just terrible at skunk works. But anyway, he says, "Hey guys, I've drawn up a 2000 point list for the narrative event at Adepticon, hoping we get ticks." Yeah, dude. I hope you get tickets too. In any case, because I'm from Australia, I don't want to show up with some outrageous army and step on my own dick in front of all you fucking yanks. So this is your casual Land Raider Phobo battle squadron with some cool Pride of the Legion marksmen and plasma teams. Also in attendance are two predators who sit back and beam shit. The army basically stays inside their tanks and shoot beams into the enemy and only disembark if they have to. They have the option of desalting, but I think the extra range of deployment due to the front ramp is super useful. And getting in a rapid-fire range and utilizing Sons of Horus, Death Dealer, he wrote it like that, is too harsh for the narrative. I'm led to believe full lantern squadron isn't a strong choice due to how hit allocation works on a squadron, etc. Any advice would be great. Yours faithfully, Tim. And then he sent us in a 2,000-point Sons of Horus try try fob narrative uh he took a delegatus and artificer armor power fist uh 10 veterans marines with a veteran sergeant they have marksmen which you can choose at the beginning of the game uh melt bombs and two heavy bolters with suspensor webs uh he took that unit twice it looks like uh no in the second unit his veteran sergeant has a combi weapon um and yeah that's the only difference uh, then he has a nine-man squad of tactical support marines with the tactical support sergeant has a power fist and augury scanner. 
And the Tactical Sports Marines all have plasma guns and additional chainsaws. Uh, then he took a Land Raider Battle Squadron with a Land Raider Phobos with a Command Squad Tank Upgrade, Armored Ceramite, Pencil Mounts, and Multimelta. And the all of them have the Armored Ceramite and Pencil Mounts and Multimelta. Uh, just a reminder that Squadron Command Tank gives them Tank Hunter if they all shoot at the same unit, which is kind of cool. Um, and they're within 24 inches, I believe. There's a yeah. range on it, too. Yeah, it's 24 inches. You're right. Uh, then he took the, yeah, we, we just rarely see it, you know, like, well, the, because it's super fucking expensive and super restricted. Yeah. And, and, and you have to have a squad. Bad, so. Yeah. It's just, it's just weird. I felt, I felt the need to remind people of that because whatever. Anyway, then he took a predator strike squadron with a predator with turn mounted heavy conversion beamer, two sponsor mounted, uh, last cannons. And then he took another Predator Strike Squadron with turret-mounted heavy conversion beamer and two spots on last cannons. Coming in at 2,000 points, and I'm pretty sure Ryan bumped that up to 2,500, which is how we do things at Adepticon. Yeah. So I, I went ahead and made the list 2,500 for him because that's typically they do an escalation thing for Adepticon, and that's what it all culminates in is a 2,500-point list. So I wanted to write him a 2,500-point list, and then he can take elements from that list and just scale it down to make his other smaller list. But this should give him a framework of if he wants to use this list or something similar of all the models he'll have to bring to Adepticon to make all three of his lists out of. So, um, so I, I read this list and then he also did an episode of I of Horus where he had uh, Nicholas from don't lose your head. And they talked about it a little bit more. Yep. And, I kept giving him a hard time because me and Tim message each other all the time. And every time I try to do anything for the list for him, it's like fucking let's make a deal. Cause I'm always like trying to talk. Like he's always wanting, he always has this, what do you want to call it? He Timifies things. He makes things very Tim. And I'm always like, look, Tim, we could compromise a little bit on this and still keep it Timified for it's yours, but also make it a little better by doing these few things. And he's always like, nah, nah, man, fuck that. This is what I want. <laughs> I'm like, I'm always, so it's always like this negotiation with it. So we've already talked about this a little bit, and I'm pretty sure I've wrote him up a couple list ideas and we'll go over this one here, but I'm pretty, I'm going to be on a show soon. And I think we're going to have a segment on the show where it's like, let's make a deal with Tim. And it's just me trying to sell him on list ideas and him shutting me down and me getting frustrated and yelling at him. And I think that's pretty much going to be the segment for the show. <laughs> so um, look forward to that on a future Eye of Horus. Love it. But uh, anyway, so this is what I came up with. Oh, I was – anyway, when we were talking, I was telling him, you know, if you don't want to get out of the tanks at all, like he's basically – he straight said, I don't ever want to get out of the tanks unless I have to. Why are you wasting points on People. veterans? Like, <laughs> yeah. don't fuck her. Like, yeah. yeah I'm like – Either just take Armored Breakthrough and run all tanks, which he said that there's a huge, um, like, stigma about that in Australia. Like, people don't like Armored Breakthrough over there for some reason, which I think is weird. Like, I don't—it doesn't do super well here, because if you don't put enough infantry in it, you can't screen your tanks. So they just get smashed in close combat by just about anything. Like, Freddy came over here last year with pure tanks, and— he solely did it just for travel. Like he wanted something that looked cool and he could travel with easy and wouldn't break apart, you know, in luggage or whatever. So he just brought all tanks and it did not do very well there. He ran out of flame markers and many a game for all those tanks. So 
I don't really see a problem with it. Um, Perpetual Painting Dave brought 3,000 points of nothing but tanks. He ran an armored breakthrough list at my event. Um, I think Scott beat him in the first round, and I think him and Samson played in the second round, and I don't remember who won, but it was by, like, one or two points. So it was a super close game. So I don't really think Armored Breakthrough is overpowered. So if there's any Australian listeners listening to this, like, don't be scared, homie. It's fine. Like, it's really, there's many strategies to beat that. The only time that it becomes, like, what I consider pretty good is when you've mixed in a bunch of infantry with it, infantry and bikes to actually screen for the tanks. But if people are just worried about somebody just spamming tanks, I, I don't really see where that's that bad. But anyway, so Tim basically shut that down. So I'm like, well, let's just run normal tactical squads for your infantry. Like, don't waste your points on vets if you're not going to get out anyway. So that was kind of my idea when I wrote this list. So I have a Delegatus as his HQ with Artificer Armor Power Fist, which is what he said on the show with Nicholas that he wanted to run for fluff reasons, because if the guy's tank gets blown up, he needs a punchy fist to punch his way out of the burning wreck of the tank, which makes sense. Right. Um, and I Mastercrafted the Power Fist, because the Delegate Goddess gets a free Mastercraft weapon. Um, for troops, I have a 10-man... Um, oh, by the way, the right of war for this is Armored Spearhead. So this is the one where you get Land Raiders as dedicated transports. So there's Armored Spearhead and Armored Breakthrough. Armored Spearhead is the Land Raider one. Armored Breakthrough is the one with Predators as troops. This is the Land Raider one. So it's 10 Tactical Marines. Just basic tacticals. The sergeant has artificer armor and power weapon. Just very basic. And I bought them the additional um, chain swords. So if they do get into close combat, you're going to be three attacks on the charge, which I feel like you're almost obligated to do since you're going to put them in land raiders with an assault ramp. So their dedicated vehicle is a land raider Phobos with dozer blade and armored ceramite. So for his second troop's choice, I took an identical unit to that. So another 10 tactical Marines with bolter, bolt pistol, chain swords. The sergeant has artificer armor, power weapon, and they are also in a Land Raider Phobos with dozer blade, armored ceramite. For elites, I have five veterans. Um, all five veterans have combi meltas. Um, then for the second elite choice, I have another um, 10, I have a t another veteran squad. This one's a 10 man. Um, Two of the guys have plasma guns, and the other eight all have combi plasmas. And the sergeant has artificer armor. And they took a dedicated uh, Land Raider Phobos with dozer blade and armored ceramite. Um, and then for heavy support, I took a Land Raider Achilles. The Land Raider Achilles is where the five loose veterans with the combi meltas will go. Um, then for the second heavy support choice, I took a Predator Strike Squadron with two Predators in it. Both of those Predators have heavy conversion beamers and nothing else, just the conversion beamer. And then for the third and final heavy support choice, I took a Vindicator Siege Tank Squadron with two Vindicators in it, and they're both upgraded to the Laser Destroyer uh, Vindicators. Can you take, so this uh, still has all can you take this, the Command Tank if you take only two? Or does that have to be three? No, you have to take three. Damn. It has to be three. So close. So this list that I just wrote, um, it is only 2,390 points, so this leaves him 110 points to put whatever he wanted, because I know he like he really likes Pendle Mountain Multimultas, like the idea. But, so basically, I just left him points to Timify the list, like we talked about. Like, Tim <laughs> likes to do Tim things. 
that gives him 110 points to do 10 things. So, um, so anyway, I, I just feel like this this is going to give him a more solid base for what he's looking for. It's going to be better on the tabletop, but still really fit the theme of what he's doing. I've cut down on the squadron squadron shit significantly, but there's still squadrons in here. I still kept his theme of all beam weapons. He loves beam weapons. So the Vindicators are the beam version. Um, the Predators have the conversion beamers on them. Um, I know he loves Multimeltas, so the Achilles has the Multimelta on there. And then he has his big plasma team, which he, I know that he likes plasma a lot um, in the veteran squad. And then he's got the two Phoboses with the guys in them. So basically, this has everything that he wanted in his original list, other than I know he's pissed about having to take normal tactical guys. But I keep trying to tell him, I'm like, well, these normal tactical guys, yes, but you're saying you don't ever want to get out of the tanks. And then when these guys do get out of the tanks, they're normal guys, but they have Death Dealer. So they're going to get bonuses when they shoot. And then when if they assault, you, I bought them the extra close combat weapon. So they're like, they're going to be three attacks where a vet would be four, but they're still pretty close. And you're saving a bunch of points. Um, and it, it saves your right of war from having to spend it on Pride of the Legion so that you can then spend it on this armored spearhead so that you can get more tanks in the army because you can take them as dedicated transports and trying to wedge instead of trying to wedge them all in as heavy support. They were never normal guys. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, I hope that he likes this. I sent it to him. He seemed to like it. I have another version of this list. Um, if he really wants to take veterans, um, I could try to negotiate with him a little bit again, because I know he's totally against taking special characters. But if he takes Malagurst as the HQ instead of this Delegatus, Malagurst allows veterans as troops. So you could unlock vets as troops and still take Armored Spearhead. And then you could upgrade this Delegatus to Malagurst and then upgrade these two tactical squads to vet squads and have this exact same army, but with all the veterans and shit in it like he wanted. I wonder why he's so set on doing Loyalist Sons of Horus. Um, I think him and Tim are doing uh, Ispawn 3. Ah. And he's so he's wanting to do Loyal Sons of Horus and Michael's doing uh, Traitor Emperor's Children, I think. Damn. But if he's coming if he's coming to Adepticon, I mean Adepticon's a one off. It's not little it's not Michael's campaign, so he could model these tactical marines with bolter bolt pistol chainsword, right? And use them as normal tacticals. Um, he could use this version of the list when playing against Michael. But when he comes over for Adepticon, all he would have to do is build a Malagurst model and then use all these same models and just call these guys veterans instead of normal guys. So he's, it's really the difference of just building one model and then using the Malagurst version for Adepticon. And then when he plays Michael, use the Loyalist version, which is the Delegatus and devote those guys to normal tacticals. Nah. Nah. What do you mean, nah? <laughs> You're just trying to be a Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Tim doesn't. Tim uh, doesn't bend the knee. He doesn't yeah. bend the knee to the War Master. <laughs> <laughs> well, their song is that "Never Back Down" song. They do play that. That's he's all about never backing down. So that's why he always argues with me over lists. <laughs> but I think he does it just to wind me up. Because why are you writing me? emails asking me about lists if you don't really want my advice on lists so you're just going to shoot me down all day 
So <laughs> I think somewhere in the back of his mind, he does want some help. It's just, I just have to get through to that little part of it. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad you didn't fucking shoehorn an Avenger in there, though. Definitely. <laughs> um, I could, but yeah, not, I know that, that that would definitely that definitely wouldn't go over. So I didn't even try that. I didn't try to manipulate it that much. I just tried to like take his idea and massage it a little bit. Well, Tim, give us a call. Let us know what you think about that list. Uh, go ahead and leave us a voicemail, and we'll gladly gladly hear what you think about that. Yep, and then we can argue about it on, on your show. Yeah, let's like, come on. Yeah, Ryan arguing. It's my favorite <laughs> thing to hear. <laughs> it's like I like to wind him up. So why do you why do you like why do people like to wind me up so much? Because you're so yeah. passionate when you talk. <laughs> it's like is that what it is? Yeah. I can't I can't remember what you got compared to, but <laughs> never mind. I'm not gonna <laughs> never mind. Anyway, so that's it for list. Well, now you started something. Now you started something. Now I have to hear it. <laughs> I, I can't remember. It was a long time ago. Anyway. Oh, whatever. Bullshit. Anyway, go ahead. So that's all we got for list, guys. I just wanted to remind everybody that October 5th is going to be when all the rapier stories are going to be due. Uh, we do have a ton of entries that came in for the rapier stories. If you're concerned on what the rapier stories need to include, uh, go ahead and go to our Facebook page. It is one of the posts that we have. It is actually the pin post at the very top. Uh, if you win the Rape Your Story, it, basically you have everybody that we have judge, which originally was going to just be the RFI guys, but I think now we've gotten so many and they're so good, I think we're actually going to have to get more people involved to judge this. Um, you will win a RFI apron, an RFI shirt, an RFI cup, and a pair of RFI or a set of RFI dice. And we did get RFI dice ordered. Uh, all of our Patreon guys know they were the first to hear about it. Uh, but they will take eight weeks to get here because, God damn, China. Actually, I don't know. That's Chessex. So I don't know where Chessex comes out of. But they gave me an eight-week turnaround time. So either way you look at it, guys, Rape Your Story is going to be a submitted story that you write into us about a Rape Your Team this will definitely not be the last time we do something like this because this is probably one of my favorite things that we've done on this podcast because of all the extreme stories that we've gotten in and all the awesome writing that's come in, like shit that I haven't even like thought of. Like it feels like canon to me reading this stuff for real. So good. Like some of this stuff is just fantastic. Um, we're gonna, we're actually speaking of, you know, speaking of rapier story and speaking to Tim, Tim did suggest that, uh, we get all the podcasts together and have them read off these rapier stories, which just might happen. I mean, then we might have to do that because we knew the winner, we were going to have them read it off. But some of the, like actually all of them that we've received so far are worthy to get read off. So uh, we might have one giant rapier episode, which is, will be a large submission from all the other podcasts reading off y'all's rapier battery stories. So, um, Look forward to that, people. But other than that, I think that's going to be it, dude. I think we're done. I think this episode 72 is a long episode. We had some Dark Angels and badass lists. So I had fun. I had a good time. Yeah. Good episode. So, like I said, guys, look us up on 
Radio Free Esteban on Facebook. You give us, shoot us an email, michaelwarmer30k.com, ryan at warmer30k.com, Derek at warmer30k.com, Scott at warmer30k.com, or give us a call, 209-RFI-30K-0. And that's all we got. We're out. Bye. Night. What is success? A soldier can reckon his success in victories. A merchant in money. But my world is insubstantial. Every man has a destined path. If it leads him into the wilderness, he's got to follow it with his head high and a smile on his lips.